Welcome to Snowmobile Sessions Live on YouTube and your favorite podcast platforms. It's the number one destination to learn about snowmobiling, network with other sledders, and have an awesome time doing it. We'll meet other snowmobilers that share your passion and show your fan photos along the way. Snowmobile Sessions Live. Enjoy the ride. This episode of Snowmobile Sessions Live is brought to you by Energy Power Sports. They're Oakville's full-line BRP dealer with sales and service to all BRP models and so much more. Energy Power Sports always has the fun in store with a wide selection of clothing, parts, and accessories for all your power sports passions. Make Energy Power Sports your source for Can-Am off-road ATV and side-by-sides. Can-Am on-road Riker and Spider, including the sporty F3S, Sea-Doo watercraft and switch pontoon boats and Alumacraft fishing boats powered by Mercury Marine. Put yourself on a Manitou pontoon or a widescape stand-up snowmobile. Energy Power Sports is the home for Lynx and Ski-Doo snowmobiles for the entire family. Do you feel the energy? Energy Power Sports, 879 Cranberry Court, Oakville, Ontario, or online, energypowersports.ca. All right, we're here. Drew is co-hosting with me tonight in the seat beside me because he's home. And if he's not here, then he's going to be gaming and our bandwidth will go down the toilet. So I uh, I thought what a safer spot to have him than right next to me. And with us as the guest tonight of honor is Mike Lavalley from, uh, from Maxceleration. How are you doing, Mike? I'm really good, Gary. How are you and Drew? Excellent, excellent. Have you been, whereabouts are you located and have you been getting any snow? Well, we've actually got a little bit right here. Calgary, Alberta, uh, out in the middle of the west here, um, in view of the mountains. So I can look out the window pretty much every day and, and see the mountains from, from our place. So even when we don't have snow at the house, I can I can see snow in the mountains. But we've been actually getting a little bit the last couple of weeks here. So I've uh, I've seen uh, I've seen tracks in the ditches alongside the highway, so people are getting out. Yeah, that's good. Well, we've been out. We we've, we've been on OFSC trails uh, lately uh, on the weekend, and then uh, today we just went field hopping um, this afternoon after work and before this show started. So uh, just trying to pound some life out of the 2018 XRS so we can make sure it's ready for our big trips coming up in Quebec, and then we got the Sudbury Group ride. So. It's going to be a good time, and it seems to be that uh, thanks to Adam Furlong of Backyard Recreation because he uh, he let us drop the pig off on Saturday, Friday, and uh, and he had us uh, all fixed up Saturday night. So really appreciate that, Adam. I know he's watching this in his shop right now probably as he's wrenching. But Actually, for the record, he had that done Saturday afternoon. We just weren't available to pick <laughs> it up, so that's even better. That he got us on such short notice. So thank you, Adam. Yeah, yeah. That sure. saved us. That new, saved it. New injector installed, and it's running as, as Pete would say from last week, tickety boo. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's uh, seems to be working fine. So we still got some testing to do. Might play a little hooky tomorrow and get that done. Who knows? But yeah, I got to keep beating the snot out of it. If it, <laughs> I'm going until I blow up a belt, and then I know that it's nice and broken and ready to go. Is is that a good tip? Being from your racing heritage, Mike. <laughs> 
Well, kind of, yeah. People always ask me how I test, and a lot of times I don't have a good opportunity, so I take it off the trailer and ride it like you stole it sort of thing. So, yeah. Nice. nice. Now, you know our friend Gord McDonald that was on a couple of weeks ago. He yes. He said you got to get Mike Lavalley on. And then I looked at I we you and I got chat, and then I look it up and I see your logo, which is very familiar in the racing world and your heritage. Tell me, tell us a bit about for the people that don't haven't really heard of you or your your company. Tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Well, it kind of started a long time ago. Um, snowmobiling, just like a lot of people that you have on your show, I think it gets in your blood. You know, people are passionate about it from a young age, and it, and it just keeps going. I grew up in northern saskatchewan and manitoba and right from like five years old riding sleds and you know when's the first time you raced well the first time there was somebody parked next to you on the trail of the lake was probably the answer to that um you know first snowmobile races happened as soon as they built the second snowmobile so uh, <laughs> awesome the uh so so that's been going for for a long time and and i've raced in western canada here a lot um and you know a couple of years ago um i, I looked at what i was doing and some of my other businesses and that sort of thing and i said you know if i make more of a business out of this and i'm not the youngest guy in the world anymore but maybe i can pass on some of the things that i've learned and picked up and maybe some product things that aren't readily available on the market um to to other people and, and and help them out and help out the racers and i've tried to do that a lot over the years and participate with various organizations and help them run their races and do tech inspection and that sort of thing which is a thankless job Any, anybody that does that hats off to you because you get it from all sides when you're when you're a technical inspector at a race but um so yeah so i thought well maybe i'd take and turn that into into a bit of a business and and uh, it's just grown from there excellent and what kind of racing do you specialize in is it is it asphalt snow uh oval or a little bit of everything snow drags now um asphalt's about the only thing that i haven't done um ice ice drags grass drags used to grass drag a lot um, some of the sleds that I've owned um, and sold to other people have gone down and competed at heydays. Um, got a lot of friends uh, in the racing world. It's a fairly tight community, uh, fairly tight community as far as the dra snowmobile drag racing community. So you tend to know a lot of people around, and the more you do it, and uh, the more you follow it, the more people you get to know. And uh, so, so yeah, so the. There's, there's not as much of the of the grass and ice going on in, in this part of the country in Western Canada as, as there once was. But snow dragging is, when we've got snow, is uh, is still very, very prominent. And actually, we're starting to see it grow uh, a little bit more in the last couple of years than previously. Everything goes in cycles, and I think we're on the uptick as far as the snow drags. We just need uh, Mother Nature to cooperate with us a little bit more this winter. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I see a lot of organizations now focusing more on the drags, be it grass or snow. So a lot of more, a lot more events are at least getting in front of my face, which is a good thing. So um, I think it helps out the sport, you know, as far as new development goes and things like that. Some guys are into the engine building stuff and some guys are into the, you know, getting power to the ground. Where do you fit in the whole picture? Kind of a little bit of everything. Um, historically, 
I raced a lot of, uh, <laughs> you know, what they're referring to as the greasy triples. No, um, that's a kind of a, a real growing segment. Um, I raced the greasy, the greasy triples back when they weren't so greasy. That was the, that was the new and, and hot thing. And yeah, they were greasy, but uh, we didn't call them greasy at that place just because they leaked like crazy. It was. Uh, um, <laughs> Is that where the name came from? I, I guess so. I, I'm, I'm not, I never came up with it, but there's a good chance. Um, so I, I did a lot of that. And, uh, you know, I think I started out racing much like everybody else does. You know, you, you kind of start with some stock or stockish kind of sleds and put some bolt-ons on it. Maybe you do a little exhaust or, or that sort of thing. And then as fast as you go, you always want to go faster, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's you talk to racers and once you've got that, that bug, it's hard not to want to win and and you want to go faster and you want to compete in at higher levels and and so after buying on you know a lot of product from different people i started doing my own engine development work and porting and head mods and that sort of thing that's when it, sort of the racing really took off and got successful when i started doing that uh, a lot of computer-aided stuff and uh, but then that kind of went away for a while and then you know the greasy triple sort of died out um it was you know twins took over the marketplace um triples in racing are still hot i mean there's nothing you know in the pro stock world the ck3 ski platform i mean they haven't built that sled in 20 years ish um, but it's still you go to a big time race and you look at the competitive pro stock racers and the ck3 platform still there so i think that's helping with the you know that kind of greasy triple comeback uh, and everybody wishes a new sled would come out in a triple. It's not happening. But I got the bug. Um, you know, I didn't buy a new sled after the death of the greasy triples. I mean, I, I stayed married to the triples for a long time. And, uh, and uh, until um, Yamaha and Articat came out with their 998 turbo platform. And that really intrigued me. And I thought, okay, well, here's something that I think we can make some power with. And, and the... Uh, I kind of hooked up with uh, Hurricane Dave uh, at Hurricane Performance. And yeah, great guy. Yeah, just an awesome guy. Um, and we started talking one day, and you know, it was the off season, and we're bouncing ideas off of each other. And and I'd ask him, what about this? And he'd say, well, this is, you know, this is what I do here. What do you think of this? And back and forth. And I was out in the shop one day on the phone, and you know, we're trading logs back and forth on on the machines. And I said, you know. What do you think about having a dealer who could help you out and support you and be mostly a you know online type storefront and another avenue for people to get through to your products and uh, not necessarily a big uh, brick and mortar kind of guy? And he says, "Well, are you talking about you?" And I said, <laughs> yeah. "And he says, done. You're a dealer." <laughs> That's awesome. And it's kind of started ever since. We've got a great relationship going and. And, um, you know, we visit each other a couple times. And so that was the start of it. And it's um, it's all about the relationships you make with suppliers like Dave. Um, yeah, for sure. It's, you know, there's a lot of people that want to sell product um, in, in the snowmobile marketplace. Not so much in, you know, with the drag racing type of focus. That's a pretty narrow, narrow segment of the overall snowmobile market. But um, the when you get into it, you because it's you're catering to people that are kind of right now kind of guys you know because drag racing is all about right now you prep for you know a long time 
probably during the summertime to go out and race for four seconds. Um, you, your stuff's got to work. It's got to be reliable. And, you know, uh, the relationships with the suppliers is just super important for me. I don't want to make promises to customers. If, if I know my supplier is a little iffy or can't fulfill or something like that. So, so yeah, that, that's a real important part of it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know what, you, just to touch on that, uh, the guys like Hurricane Dave and John Sherrard and stuff, they always reach out to the people, the users, like you were a user at that point in time and listen, like, what are you experiencing with this? And what is your settings? And try this, try that back and forth. It's not like here, here it is, use it the way I'm telling you, use it and whatever they listen to, to the feedback they get on it. So yeah. We got a couple of people. All Terrain TV says he's he'll have the only triple around with no grease. <laughs> and the other one I like is that he says yeah. he takes three in a row to make him really go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know he's right. And and actually, I have some uh, T-shirts on the website that three in a row plus a turbo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man! Just kicking it up that next level, hey? <laughs> yeah. Let's see who else is in the shop tonight. Tim B's in the house. It says good evening. Lapointe Lapointe Ski eight hundred R's in the house. Um, the uh, All Terrain TV's back for another week. DP Rocks sitting right here. Uh, who else we got? Outdoor Hobby Guy. I was chatting with him this this afternoon about riding in Quebec. Uh, throwing sparks. Uh, um, what else we got here? The whole bunch. Ron Castellute. Hi, everyone. He says, Odie, the sled and truck guy has been crazy busy grooming the trails. We got some pictures from him this weekend. Uh, Keith, 63060. Bobby, 1967 GT. Um, he says, great job, Drew, on doing that studded track. The video is great. Cannot believe it took you and your dad only 45 minutes to do it. Only yeah. if it took 45 minutes. It actually took 45 minutes, but there was a period of three hours where we were looking for our 10 millimeter. Ooh. So <laughs> it ended up rolling under the sled. So we found it. Justin King, there's a new name. Welcome board. Welcome to the shop. Greg Kelly, he's uh, he's um, back in there and they're Wisco. all getting excited. Galitz is in there. Who did I miss? Wisco. Wisco Sledheads, of course. Jay Harley Boy. Um, what else we got bobby ogt i think i said that um it goes on and on and on i apologize if i'm missing anybody but just uh, say hey if i did but yeah it looks good we got some house cleaning to do we got uh, a little super chat from where did that one go oh right there so i don't have my thing queued up but i'll queue it up and just want to thanks for last week's shit show <laughs> that was a lot of fun Broke a lot of records, and uh, I've got a lot of great comments and compliments on that show, and and people worried about it getting canceled too. So I appreciate the super chat there, Sled Tube. Thank you so much. I'm gonna queue up my sound effects. So if any more of those come in, uh, that almost bought a beer at the at the uh, at the Sportsman's Lodge. So it's we're getting there. Dangerously close. We're dangerously. Close we might be able to afford around. that trip. <laughs> Who else we got? Jason Dill. Uh, eight fifty XCR one thirty six. Oh, geez, oh, I like that one. Parents must not like must not have liked you. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, Nathan M. Uh, who else? I think I think that's it. I think that's all that I saw when I was looking in the chat. Yeah, that's perfect. No, cool. that's you know, great. There's a line of thinking that if people aren't threatening to cancel you, you're not doing something right. So, no, it was actually pretty good. The uh, um, a lot of fun, and we hit the four hour mark, and he didn't want to go. I had to kick him out of the garage. 
He was just getting warmed up. <laughs> he was just... <laughs> I, I think after I think after beer six, that was just him getting warmed up. That was crazy. Oh, they were they were having a good time. Yeah. That was a cool show. I wish I could have sat down with that one. I was watching it over in the corner laughing. <laughs> you can probably hear me in the background. I was laughing the whole time. It was a great no, show. That was a fun time. So. Five point three thousand views at the moment. Yeah. And listen, uh, we had a guy come on, Jeremy Rides, and uh, he said he'd do the show. He actually emailed me, and he's a little shy and nervous on coming on the show. I think we're going to get him go on, but I want what I want you guys to do is not only like this show, but go over to Jeremy Ride's channel, and he just put out a uh, a, uh, a video on hitting 90,000 subscribers. In that video comment, leave a comment and say, congratulations, Jeremy Ride. Jeremy Ride's, we got to get you on Snowmobile Sessions make it happen let's do it and uh do that i want I, we need 20 people to do that we got 51 in the chat right now um yeah mike galit says i want to see that jeremy's so close he's on the fence so if we can get him i'm trying to tell him not to be nervous and is there anything to be nervous about mike not at all not that at all you guys are such great hosts why be nervous exactly the, uh, you know, Matt from Muskoka Freerider was nervous Nelly, and it took a lot to get him convinced to come on. And uh, he couldn't believe how fast the time flew yeah. by. So, Which is super surprising for a guy like that who's got hundreds of thousands yeah. of followers on every platform and stuff like that. And Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. It, uh, we're kind of, we're kind people. We don't bite. We can't bite you, really. Like, yeah. you just hit leave if it's not going well for yeah, you. Yeah. So there's Nathan. Jeremy's a good guy and good content. So just... Yep. Help me out. Give it, give Jeremy that little push. Tell him it's going to be okay. You're looking forward to seeing him on snowmobile sessions. Make it happen and see what he says. But do it on that 90,000 subscriber video because that, he that's a big feat. And I know he's gone through some stuff and he was off this out of the scene for a year or two there. So he's back in full force and doing some awesome stuff. So make sure. Look at Robert Gilmore. Thank you um for doing that so yeah if you guys all just scooch over there right now and tell him to hop on tonight if he wants to uh, to say hi not on screen but you know we're in the chat but this is your show mike not <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm just along for the ride i'll comment here and there yeah oh, yeah sure. well that's how we try to run it we try to make it about the uh the people that are coming in here and sharing their products and their stories and and uh Having you, a laugh along the way. So are you um like some of the stuff, and we're going to show photos in a bit. But yep. you uh, you do a lot of billet machined goods. Um, are you a machinist or are you a mechanic or wh where does your specialty lie? Well, actually, I have that done for me. Um, I've hooked up with a couple of really good suppliers that I got in contact with because I was looking for some some specific things and kind of had to look hard for them. To, to find what I was looking for. And then, you, you know, you have questions you ask. I thought, well, if I'm asking these questions and, you know, and wanting to track down some of the stuff, maybe some other people are too. Um, so I've, you know, so I became dealers for a, a couple of good people that are machinists. Um, one is a company out of Ontario called Trick Toys. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. Do a lot of, uh, um, move a lot of his product uh, with wheels and offset axles and that sort of thing for the oversize on the back. And uh, also uh, hooked up with a really good fella, Jesse out of New York from Elevation Design. Um, just a super, super guy. And uh, we, he does custom wheel work uh, with, with billet wheels. 
he's a great machinist. Um, he's done some custom drag racing specific traction products uh, for me. And uh, um, yeah, if we have we have a really good relationship um, there, and uh, that's kind of one of our new things uh, that's going to be coming out is something that Jesse and I have been working on. So it's oh, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it, you know, it 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 takes. Uh, um, <laughs> see, if you find a machine that's making your best friend, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially if it's a good one um, that uh, that that you can work with and he's and he's reliable and dependable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. So, so yeah, so that's what we've got coming up, you know, when you bounce ideas off each other and, 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 uh, so, you know, he, he's a great guy with some good ideas and we pass something along and we're going to do something a little bit specific here. It's actually in production right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And that's the thing. It's a, I, when, when I, when I see your product line, it's pretty, like you said, you, you, you have a package for the complete picture, whether it's on the engine or, or in the skid, um, when people come to you, would you prefer them to contact you and ch talk and chat and find that solution? Or do you have package A, package B, package C type of offer offerings? Oh, we can, we can do either way. Um, you know, I, I like to package some things up. So for example, if you're talking, you know, motor power and I specialize in the 998 turbo stuff, you know, the ZR9000 Thundercat, Yamaha Sidewinder platform. Nice. Um, just because it's so easy to make big power um, with with that engine platform, um, so yeah, so there's there's packages and some of our most popular packages. You know, whether you're going with a stock muffler, if you're in areas where the noise is a more sensitive issue, uh, if you're in areas like we see a lot of in Western Canada here, where your ride might not take you within 10 miles of a residence, um, the the muffler isn't such a big thing so you know we can crank up your performance a little bit more so we offer packages on that but a lot of it comes down to you know people have questions and they're not exactly sure okay what's because everybody's situation is different sledders are very individual people and they, you know their, their rides are individual where they ride where they ride is individual how they ride is individual so a lot of it starts with a conversation on you know what's their specific goals what what are what do they have now uh, what are they looking to have and and how can we do that? And it's it's not necessarily about spending the most money. There's lots of times I tell, you know, people will come and ask a question. They say, what about this? I say, well, that's really great. And I love to sell that stuff because, you know, I make money selling parts and packages. But in your situation, I don't think that would be the best solution for you. So let's try this first. And uh, I think guys appreciate that. Is it mostly trail or are you getting a lot of racers coming your way? Um. Oh, 50-50. Um, I'd say with the 998 Turbo stuff, a lot of it is trail. Mountain guys, um, you know, I, I'm close to the mountains here. Some of the best mountain riding in the world is within a couple, three hours of the doorstep here. So, you know, you always have the uh, mountain rider guys that are that are looking to power up, you know, like 200 horse is good, but that's just getting started <laughs> if, if, you yeah. really, if you really want to climb, climb the chutes. So, um so yeah, so you know the most common thing locally would be like a 300 horsepower performance package for a sled. Um, you know, runs on pump gas. It's reliable. They can go and take and and uh, beat the snot out of it for the weekend and come back and not have any issues. So yeah. very cool. You've actually uh, 
you've actually been around the scene a long time, as I can tell. Um, what, what, do you, what do you see as advancements? Like obviously mountain sleds too, you know, like over the years, you know, when they started riding the old, you know, ZX chassis in the, in the hills and the, to tell us about what you've seen and witnessed over the years and, and what you think is, has been some really good improvements. Oh, geez, it's changed so much. Um, you know, sleds now, like a modern mountain sled, you buy it. I mean, that would have been, even if the parts were available, you know, a modern mountain sled would have been a $100,000 custom build kind of back in the day. Um, you know, the first, if you think about the first summits, the first RM case from Polaris, um, you know, they were a 136-inch track. Um, yeah. You know, 133 and a half. Uh, on the Polaris RM case. And you thought you were the big dog going to the mountains and you were at the time. Um, you know, I've ridden in the mountains on a XLT with a 121 and 12 inches of suspension travel. And, you know, you gotta be a little careful. You're digging a lot if you don't know what you're doing when you're riding. But uh, yeah, it's really come full circle. I mean, you saw kind of in the, you know, in the mid nineties, uh, it was all about you know, the bigger power kicked in and the triples and the power plants, the horsepower wars for a while. Um, then it was a suspension, a snow cross kicked in. You know, it was about suspension changes and more travel. And, you know, then rider forward came and in better sleds. And we've kind of come around now. And, and I think that, you know, the big trend, you know, certainly in the last few years is mountain sleds. Um, you know, that that's getting a lot of attention in the industry and, and people that are, that are making content, you know, and videos and that sort of thing and, and have their social media channels. It's, it's a lot on mountains and it's not even the same mountain riding as when I rode more in the mountains. It's, you know, it, it's super backcountry through the trees doing extreme. I mean, what some of these guys are doing in the mountains on an average day, I mean, used to sell 10,000 VCR videos to date myself a little bit, but, uh, um, you know, and, you know, if you think the old two-stroke cold smoke uh, uh, videos and that sort of thing, that's going back a ways. But um, yeah, it's been a been a big change. And uh, but one thing that hasn't really changed in the snowmobile industry is more power is always better. Um, I, I've yet to run into somebody that's come up to me and said, you know, I wish my snowmobile had a little less power. <laughs> So that's where we try and come in and find ways to, you know, improve what they have uh, and that sort of thing or help them out or give them some advice. You know, even if they don't buy anything, you know, you know, sometimes you can just steer somebody in the right direction and maybe they become a customer down the road or they, they tell their friend that, Hey, I got some really good answers. So um, yeah, we can. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Very cool. Yeah. It's a, it's neat to see even just the every year, the manufacturers just inch more and more over the line, you know, with the, now the 850 turbo R do had the 900 R that Polaris had a couple of years ago. Like it's just, it, things are getting insane and they're just pushing it stock. Like you said, like, like a mountain sled today would have been a hundred grand custom build back in the day. Right. Oh you know? yeah. If you had, if you had 200 horsepower in a mountain back when mountain sledding sort of really became a thing, you ruled. Um, I mean, you drove around everybody. You went up the highest peak. It was, you were the big dog uh, on the mountain with that. If you had it, um, 
you know, a 141 track. Oh my goodness. You know, like that was, you know, that, that was that rule that was holy. Look at the pot, look at the traction you've got, look at the rotation. Well, now that's a middle of the road crossover sled, you know, so it, yeah. it, it's changed a lot. Um, we, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we had to overcome a lot of things um, with, and sometimes it was with power. Sometimes it was with riding skill or, or a combination thereof. But uh, yeah, the, 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 the new product coming out of the manufacturers now is just unbelievable. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, like that's the thing. It's like, you see trends pop up all the time too, you know, and it seems that it went really long track, 175 in the mountains. Yeah, and, then, yep. and then it went, now it's starting to inch back to 146, 154. Um, and then you had the tunnel cutting thing going on two years ago. Like what's that all about? Yeah, you know, and you, and you saw some of that come into play with the, you know, some of the manufacturers, you know, Polaris had their slash tunnel, um, you know, yep. in response to some of the tunnel cutting that was going on. But that's all with that, with the riding style that's that's become so popular in the mountains now. It's it's not necessarily about going out on a long trail ride or finding the places, but it's finding the deepest snow and, you know, and, and doing the maneuvers, the jumps, the launches, the flips, the, you know, tree riding. Um, they're going places that I, you know, and it looks cool. They're going through the trees and I look at it and I go, why do you want to go there? But that's okay. You know, it, it takes, it's a whole different skill level and a riding style for sure. Um, and they need some performance to be able to do that. You need instant throttle response. Um, you need, you need a machine that's going to be able to pop up out of the snow. It's going to be maneuverable. And so some of those things you mentioned, like shorter tracks and tunnel cuts, um, that's lending that's following the desire for that type of riding style. So, so yeah, I, I think we're going to see that kind of inch back a little bit from the super, super long, because if you've ever tried to trail ride a 174 sled, um, it, it's not the most fun experience. It's great when, the, you know, when you've got eight feet of bottomless powder, uh, going up the mountain, but, uh, on the trail to get up there and a trail back, it's, uh, it's not the most pleasurable experience. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, man. I couldn't even imagine riding like the one, the one forty-four backcountry, or the I forget what the crossover from Polaris is called. That's also like a one forty-four with the wider stance. I feel it'd be a handful, especially when those come with like two-inch powder maxes on them from factory. It's like, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I I, I have a, a a few machines as well, and you know, some of my and it depends on what you know. We talked about, you know people are different and setters are individual and they, they use their sleds in individual ways. And two of my best race sleds are mountain machines um, because of the way they come from the factory, you know, a drop um, drive shaft, you know, drop chain case. It, it makes a big difference. There's things that are, were stock on those machines that we used to do back in the pro stock days um to make a machine faster but now they're coming that way from the factory and you know a narrow ski stance and no sway bar and on all those sorts of things well yeah it makes a great mountain machine and uh you know an off trail in the powder and it can make it help make it lightning quick as far as accelerating and going in a straight line but yeah you're not going to put no 100 kilometers on that uh, trail ride and on a groomed trail somewhere you'll drive yourself bananas so. yeah that's right well, uh, Massart says he wants to get a 174 for trail use, you know? <laughs> Each their own. I wouldn't highly recommend it, 
<laughs> you won't be the fastest on the trail, that's for sure. Maybe the straight line you would too. Yeah, across the lake. When, if you can get through the trail and get out onto the lake, you'll totally destroy your buddies. But uh, up you, to, you up got to, up to miles sixty hour. miles an hour, then it tops out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be afraid of on hard pack those one seventy fives folding up too easy. I know that was like a big problem with them. Like the rails on the long, like that's another big issue with having like the longer tracks that you have the rails will start to flex. I'd be afraid on hard pack trail those bending. Like in soft powder, it's completely different, right? So, I actually get a lot of questions from people on that because oh, yeah. you know I live in the shop here is is kind of on the edge of the the prairie country and in the mountains. You know, I get comments from guys every once in a while that, geez, I was going across the field and a guy on a short track sled blew me away. What the heck's going on? Um, well, a couple of reasons for that is they forget that they're, or maybe they didn't even, weren't even aware of it, but their mountain sled is geared very, very low. I mean, they're turning a two and a half inch, three inch track, and they got to be able to do that. So first thing I say is, well, look at your gearing. Um, because it's going to be geared for a lot more top end than you have. And the other thing is that that track, that mountain track, isn't designed to go that fast. It, uh, you know, the manufacturer doesn't recommend driving any more than about 80 mile an hour with it because they're not going to warranty the track. It'll start to uh, to have some issues. So, you know, once again, it's that conversation, <laughs> you know, just finding what somebody's style is and, and what they need to do. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, what, what kind of things can we find? You get your website up in the background there. What kind of things uh, can we find on your website? Well, there's some interesting little goodies. Um, one of the things, I'm not a small guy, so I had to always find, <laughs> we're going to put that out there right none, now. None of us are. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll drink that. He, drinking that many beers, he's not going to be small much anymore either. <laughs> yeah. By the time I'm suited and booted with a helmet on and a tech vest and everything, I'm probably 280 pounds. So to be competitive in racing and be successful, I had to find ways to try and make the machine as efficient as I could and make the most power I could because I was probably a hundred pound disadvantage. You know, you take a ISR stock rider, you know, the, at the 180 pound uh, minimum base weight. Well, I'm a hundred pounds over that. So you have to, Kind of find some things so one of the things that racers have done for years and years and years and you don't really hear it talked about a lot is uh bearings and differences in bearings and low friction bearings and historically what guys would do is you know they'd pull the seals and drain the grease out of them to get them to roll faster and stuff but that doesn't make for much longevity of a bearing once you're uh, pulling the seals and, and taking the grease out of it. So what became popular is a ceramic hybrid bearing where uh, it's actually a steel race in the center, but the, the balls in the bearing are made out of a ceramic material. The ceramic is much smoother uh, and lower friction than steel ball bearings are. Um, they are just inherently a smoother running bearing and it's, and it's quite dramatic actually, the difference. Um, the problem is, is that drag racers would use them, but they're also very expensive. Um, they're, they're big time money. So it'd be nothing to spend, you know, seven or $800 just in bearings on a skid. Um, a lot of people, yeah. Okay. Is it going to make that big a difference? Geez, I don't know. That's a lot of money to spend in my bang for the buck type equation. So one of the things that I did is I, you know, when I started looking into parts for racers and stuff, cause I've always used ceramic bearings, but 
I started going to different manufacturers and evaluated um, probably a half a dozen different manufacturers for bearings, place orders, test them when they come in, that sort of thing. So that now we have our own line of uh, ceramic hybrid bearings um, to help out. And, you know, they're priced pretty competitively. Are, are they more than a $7 bearing, standard bearing? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, what I tell guys said, you, you, you really want to go fast? <laughs> then a couple dollars more, you know, it's uh, kind of the, the racing and high performance. What's the old slogan? Uh, um, how fast do you want to go? <laughs> it's all about yeah. how much it's been. I think Gord said he likes to take and uh, cut a square hole in the hood and shoving uh, $100 bills under it. And that's uh, basically the way it works out in the racing world. Um, so, yeah, so we came up with uh, with that. And after a lot of evaluation, I'll have our own line of uh, ceramic hybrid bearings. And actually, I just had a call from a customer a couple of days ago um, who had bought a set for his, for his sled. And he was trying to find a little extra advantage. And... And he said, you know, the uh, in my shop, I used to, you know, move my sled in and out of the shop. You know, we're all we've all done that. You're dragging it on the concrete, or you're you're sliding it around in the shop. He said, I used to have to put two hands on it. He says, now I can put one hand on it, and it rolls. I said, I couldn't believe the difference it made in the rolling resistance in his track. So it's an example, and so so we have a line on there, and I've got a whole bunch of data on it and stuff in there, but it's uh, um. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting part of what we do. Do they have more balls in them than the regular? Are they just, what is it, just lubricant that's different? Or someone said aluminum oxide ball bearings. Like what what makes them so uh, less resistance? Well, the the ceramic that the balls are made of, the outer race is still um, is still a chrome steel. And, and it has to be that way uh, on the outside just so it doesn't get too soft. But the... Um, but the ball inside on the race is a, is a silicone type, no, pardon me, ceramic, not silicone. Um, and it's very hard. Uh, ceramics are very, very hard and they're very, very smooth. They're much smoother than steel. And when a normal steel ball bearing gets spinning, you actually got, even with the lube in there, you got a little bit of steel on steel contact and it can create some friction and what they call a cold weld in the bearing and it actually generates heat. If you've ever been, uh, if you've ever seen a sled on the trail um, and you look down and maybe the rear idlers and you can kind of see the icicles coming off the center of the hub, sometimes that happens in some weather conditions. Um, bearings get hot, even on snowmobiles. It actually builds up quite a bit of heat. Uh, we did some testing and we took like a standard NTN bearing, um, just a standard issue, you know, lower cost, you buy them in a sleeve and, uh, and spun it at about 1800 RPM for three minutes. That's the equivalent of about 40 mile an hour on, on a rear idler. And yeah. at the end of three minutes spinning it, you couldn't physically touch the bearing. That's how hot it gets. Um, so then we did that with the better. They're, you know, kind of what the premium bearing was in the market. Because it's easy. You don't want to compare yourself to the lowest end. Because that's, oh. you know, that's shooting fish in a barrel sort of thing. Um, so tried to pick what the, you know, kind of what the better bearings was in the market with the black ice bearing that they sell, you know, it's, uh, between 20 and $30 a piece for a black ice bearing, uh, lower friction, different grease, that sort of thing. And we spun it and it, and it certainly, it didn't get as hot as the other one, but it got hot too, generated heat. And then we did it with the ceramic and it gained like maybe a quarter of the increase in temperature. Uh, it's just so much more smoother, so much less friction. 
um, longer life, um, better performance. It's kind of funny. I have a, so I've been to a couple of snowmobile trade shows, the, uh, uh, the one in Edmonton, um, the one in Saskatoon, uh, both that happened this fall. And I have a display set up with two idler wheels uh, so that people can you know, give a spin to one with a standard bearing in it and give one a, a spin with the other bearing. And it's pretty dramatic. The difference i got some actually some videos on the website um but it kind of backfired a little bit um in hindsight i don't know if the display worked very good because people thought it was kind of trade show janky sort of thing they didn't believe yeah. it because yeah, like of, did you pull out a rusty bearing out of the junk yeah i thought it yeah. was good stuff to them yeah. and I, I even had the blocks there I said no here's a brand new bearing all i did was spin, spun each of them for a couple of minutes just to lube them up and and get them going but uh but yeah, they all think that you're Vince from Slap Chop selling something at the uh, uh, at the trade show, right? And uh, so yeah, the, the the trade show demonstration, as good as it was, kind of backfired a little bit because people wouldn't believe it. But that's how big a difference it actually. Is made. it the same people that went went next door to you and bought the uh, the ceramic heaters, <laughs> the foot massagers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't follow oh, around, but <laughs> like I don't believe you. Where is that foot massage guy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim D says, how long do they last? Like, do they last longer? Yes. Um, for the, and that's one of the bigger advantages is the high mileage guys. Um, because you don't get as much cold weld in there with the friction, uh, it's smoother. It's going gonna, it's gonna to last longer under the same conditions, uh, same load. Uh, it's going to last longer than a standard bearing just because it has less friction in it. Um, it. It doesn't. It doesn't break down like the steel ones do. So. Okay, and and no bullshit. He says aluminum. What do you think of this comment? Aluminum oxide balls uh, are a good choice for ceramic balls because they're corrosion resistant and can operate at high temperatures. They're also lighter, stiffer, smoother, and harder than a steel ball. Or is he talking the same thing about ceramic? Yeah, yeah. So, so he's that. Those are all the advantages of a hybrid ceramic bearing. And that's why we call them hybrid ceramic because it has the steel on the outside and the ceramic balls on the inside. And uh, there's a couple of different retainers in there that can be used. And on different sizes, we use different uh, retainers depending on the individual bearing. But uh, but yeah, those are the advantages for sure. Yeah, right on, right on. And where where else? Like that's a neat little secret. Uh, um, that you're sharing with us. Uh, what else? Did, what other things are you hiding that can give that rider that advantage? <laughs> well, as we mentioned before, with uh, um, uh, with the machining, um, the the wheels, um, billet wheels on the back. Um, billet wheels look cool, you know, especially when you go oversize. Um, yeah. But but there's a reason for the oversize as far as top speed and top performance goes and basically the bigger rear wheel you can put on when you're talking the racing world i mean it's we're over 100 mile an hour and 500 feet so it, it when you're spending time at 100 to 150 mile an hour in that range anything you can get to lessen the rolling resistance so that frozen rubber track that's going around is going to help so going, depending on your frame, if you're going to go to like a nine or a 10 inch wheel, that's going to free up some rolling resistance and gain you some top speed there as well. So we offer some, some choices as far as that goes to, to make it work. And 
and it's kind of funny because all the things that that I sell are things that I've tried out myself. Um, I've put them on the sled. I've used them. I've beat them up. Um, I'm not particularly easy on my equipment. I tend to <laughs> I tend to go pretty hard on it uh, and abuse it. It's uh, um, so it, yeah. It's we've got to be able to trust what we sell and 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 be able to stand behind it to the customers. So we're pretty careful about that and. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the next thing is, is the is the bigger idler wheels on the back because uh, that kind of and that kind of goes along with the ball bearings too, because you, some of your biggest resistances on a snowmobile are are in the suspension, the track, the drive. Um, you've got that big heavy rubber track going around on there, and plus it's frozen, it's below zero, and it's it's spinning on there and we all like it to go as fast as it can so it's a challenge anything you can do to make that skid and that drivetrain more efficient you're going to see gains out of it and it's not just for the racer but uh you know out in the east like where you guys are at you got a lot of high mileage rides. um yeah. the high mileage guys if you're putting on a lot of miles and uh the uh greaseful bearings are the, they come loaded with grease um in them in, in the bearings just to answer that question and uh, that came up and actually don't recommend taking them apart and, and re-greasing because um, you're going to damage the seals. And it, even if you're really careful about taking the seals out, um, it's not going to be the same as when it goes back in and they are so low friction. My recommendation is just leave the grease that's in there and, uh, and the seals that are in there and you'll get the, get the best results. But anyway, to come back, you know, the high mileage guys, if you're going a long ways between stops, um, you know, you take, it might make, if you can get 5% more out of your travel because you free up some friction in your drive, that, that's the difference of walking or having to refill your gas tank sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I notice you do a lot of big wheel kits too, right? Like what's the advantage yeah. for people that don't know, what's the advantage for, for the bigger wheel kits on those sleds? Yeah. And that's just rolling resistance again, that big wheel kit on the back. Um, if you think about it, um, think about your track, especially if your suspension's compressed down a little bit, you know, it's, it's making an oval as it goes around there and your tightest points are, you know, at the front drive shaft and at the back, it's making that tightest turn, right? If you were to take that track and not have it be an oval, but if it was round, you have almost no resistance because now it's like a tire and it just rotates. You have a lot less mm -hmm. rolling resistance where it doesn't have to make those. So we, we're not going to get to a great big round track on the back of a snowmobile. It doesn't, we're not going to put a tractor tire on the back. But anything you can do to increase that radius so it's not such a tight bend when it comes around your driver. And that's why you've seen guys, uh, the racers for years, try and go with as big a driver as they can on their front drive. Same thing on the back because that's it's pulling on that back idler on that back wheels that comes around so if we can increase that radius and make that less of a pull decrease that resistance as it's yanking that track around the back and it frees up the resistance and uh it's like free performance well it's not free because it costs something for the big wheel kit but <laughs> all performance costs money there's no such yeah. thing as a free model you're going to sponsor all the listeners with uh, free free stuff uh, yeah free performance yeah did they install the same way to need locking clips uh on the bearings, uh, the bearings they go, yeah, they're, they're direct replacement. The ones that are on my site, I've got the most popular sizes. 
So if you've got, say, a press-in bearing in an idler wheel uh, with a circlip in it, you would put this in the exact same way as if you were changing out your bearing. Uh, circlip would go back in there. There's a few uh, Articat and Yamaha applications where the bearings are press fit on the axle. These would be the exact same way. So they're, they're direct replacement for OE sizes. And I've got the sizes marked on the bearings. But if anybody ever has a question, just feel free to drop me a note and say, hey, I've got this sled. I'm thinking about these bearings. And I'd be more than happy to look up what they need and uh, point them in the right direction. Awesome. And everybody uh, keep watching to the very end because we have a uh, giveaway. Um, Mike's actually been generous to, to donate a prize for tonight's show. And uh, yeah, we'll keep watching and we'll fill you in on more details as we get through the fan photos and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> really uh, cool. Mike Galit says, uh, how do they hold up with a, with a big weight on it? So if you're heavier rider and you know, you're putting a lot of bags on your sled, how does that hold up? That's a great question because I get asked that question quite a bit. And if you look at the specs on a ceramic bearing versus a, a traditional steel bearing, uh, the load specs are within about, it's about 10% of the load specs. They are a little bit less on the load, 10%. Have you ever seen a bearing fail though because of load on a sled? Yeah, never. Um, you know, they'll fail because they're wore out and people haven't serviced their bearings. And, you know, they've got 15,000 miles on the bearing in five seasons and it sat in the trailer all year and it got rusty and that sort of thing. So those sort of bearing failures happen. But I test mine. So, for example, uh, we were talking about the 998 Turbo stuff. Um, I've got on my two sleds, my race sleds, I run them on my rear idler uh, uh, in the back. I've... I use what I sell and with myself on those four stroke turbos, the combination is about 900 pounds. Uh, the guys last year started calling me half ton racing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lightweight combination. Um, and so you stand that up and you know, the one sleds making about 500 horsepower. So I'm putting big power and big weight, on that back axle wheel and yeah no troubles at all oh that's good there it's good go. to know yeah there you go mike answers your question there yeah. uh, greg kelly says waiting for the promotion code <laughs> giving a 50 percent discount tonight there's 50 percent holy cow hey i know it's a little I steep know. he wants to be a sponsored rider i guess huh yeah, but <laughs> well, fifty percent. If I can get it, if somebody will give me a fifty percent code, I'll stock up. But that's yeah. exactly got it. Yeah, I don't know. Double the price and then offer a fifty percent. Well, well, you know, I, from time to time, um, I, we do have sales and promotions. For example, uh, in the fall, in the off season, uh, when people are, you know, they're starting to think about getting ready and their service and their sled. Um, I did have some sales on. So if people follow on the Facebook page uh, for uh, for Acceleration Racing, um, periodically I, promotion codes do come on there. So it's not unheard of. We'll just leave it at that. Nice, nice. The uh, do you do the shows you do? You mentioned some trade shows. Do you do heydays? Where where what events can people find you at? Well, um, not this past year, not in twenty three, but in twenty two. I uh, was down and helping out Dave uh, at the Hurricane Performance booth at the Toronto Snow Show. Uh, if I remember right, I think that's the largest snowmobile show in North America. Am I 
Somebody you, could fact check me on that. Probably not North America. I'd say heydays is definitely. Yeah, we, not uh, popular. in the yeah. indoor show, it's a it's a pretty big one. For an you indoor know, I, one, I, yes. Now I was saying, were you were you in the middle of the booth? Were you in the middle of this booth and your own little table thingy? Yeah, I, I wasn't this past time. I was helping him out. It was his booth, so I was just yeah. down. I, I was hired labor for that weekend, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, we were there. I, I think Corey I and I met that. you there. That yeah, and Drew was there too. We yeah. we met you because he he shouted out when we were talking to him, and and it, it it was you because he he shouted over at you, and then and then you just yelled back, and I think yeah. you were with him. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was funny. Yeah, I, I do remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I was at Hades uh, this past year. Went down, didn't display on a booth there, but uh, um, I'm not just in the business, but I'm I'm a big fan of the sport as well. And uh, uh, a number of um, people I know, uh, friends, uh, customers, they they were competing at Hades. So we went down and uh, and took in the show. If if no if if people haven't done it, I highly recommend going. Yeah, you won't regret it. Yeah, that's thing. I was being, I was, I had the opportunity to go this year, and it just didn't work out for me. But I'm hoping to get there next year. Um, we'll see whatever this this coming fall. I guess it's already 2024. But we'll see what happens, and and away we go. Because uh, our crew that went, there was ten of them that uh, that ended up going and sporting the snowmobile session shirt. They had a blast. So we'll see what happens this year. It's yeah, all about it's all about timing in the fall. Yeah, it was, it was kind of one of those interesting situations. You know, I wasn't competing. I didn't have a booth there, but I went down and, uh, you know, we're, you know, knew a, knew a couple of people in the, in, in the pits that were competing and racing some people from close around here and, and friends and that sort of thing. And I started walking through the pits and it's like, oh, hey, how are you? Hey, oh, hey, how are you? <laughs> it, turned, it turns out I knew, I knew a good chunk of the, of the racers there and, and, uh, and the swap meet too, walking through there and ended up running into people I knew. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, I, we talk about that racing community and how it's fairly tight knit and you tend to know a lot of people. And that really came to the forefront uh, during your visit there for sure. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's kind of uh, thought provoking, but uh, Tim says, what happens in the, in your future with Yamaha gone? Is that a big part of your business? You think that 998 is going to live on with Arctic Cat? What do you think the future of that is? My gut feel is that the 998 platform isn't going to live on. I know there's a big following out there that is hoping that it does. Um, I was at the reveal for the 858 Catalyst uh, at Heydays this year. Uh, you know, me and about 5,000 of our closest friends were huddled around there because uh, we, we, we thought they were going to announce the turbo at the same time, right? But uh, um, it, it didn't happen. But I've had a pretty good look at the at the Catalyst sled, and and uh, it, there's a lot of great things about it. I don't think that that 998 engine platform is going to fit um, in that <laughs> chassis. Um it takes up a lot of space in that pro cross chassis it's yeah it's a chore i mean it's it's using up all the real estate under the hood um underneath the crossbars it's 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 full under there um my best guess is that articat as it continues you know they announced the 858 this year i think next year the announcement is going to be 858 with a turbo because we've got that one more year production with the turbo uh on the 998 four-stroke platform i think they'll transition away from there and the 
you know, just like, uh, you know, Skidoo and Polaris have both done that for their top sled to turbo two stroke. I think you're going to see that out, out of Articat as well. That'd be a, you know, I don't have the inside knowledge on it, but that's a pretty educated uh, assumption going forward there. So what does that mean for me? Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. That being said, we've seen the 998 production now starting, you know, from 2017 and running up through 2025, I guess, is going to be the last kind of production yeah. model year. So we've got a number of years in there. And uh, I already made the prediction a few months ago that uh, it's going to become the new greasy triple. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's got such a following. That platform has got such a, especially in, in two areas, like in, in the high mileage trail guys um, love the performance and the, the reliability of the four stroke type platform. You know, you see it in do with the 900 uh, in Yamaha and cat with the 998 and uh, uh, and the performance market just loves the 998 platform. So it's going to be around for a while. And uh, yeah, so we, we, we branch out, but we'll, we'll continue to do 998 turbo stuff for for a number of years to come would be my prediction. So I guess Yamaha is committed to making aftermarket or making parts for, for many years to follow as well. So that customers aren't high and dry. Uh, do you do much work with the Skidoo 900R or, or the four strokes of Skidoo uh, or are you just starting to get into that? Starting to get into it. And actually Dave has done a lot. He, he's put a lot of uh, research and development and we, and we've, We've talked about it a lot, and uh, with replacement ECU, he does a we do a he does a really good job of that, and we, we've displayed it at some of the trade shows we've been at. Um, the there's a couple of different manufacturers that are doing things with programming because Skidoo is very tight with not allowing you to break into their uh, ECM very easy uh, on the thing. It's it's for sure practically impossible to reprogram that ECF. So there's two ways of doing it. There's there's a company out there that reprograms it by, they actually cut it open. When you say break into the ECM, they are physically breaking into the ECM um, and taking the chip out that's locked and putting in their own chip and then resealing it. And that's their way of getting around being able to, to program that from, from do. And the way Dave has done it, rather than do that, um, and then, you, you know, potential warranty issue might come up because you're never going to get service on it once that uh, once that module has been opened and resealed. Um, and the way Dave likes to does is he's replaced it with a brand new one. So you just unplug the factory module, you plug in the replacement one, and now it's fully programmable. Um, he can do whatever he wants with it. He can service it. If you ever want to sell your sled or transfer your performance stuff from one machine to the other, we can do that because we haven't damaged that original module. You just take it and you put it back in, you plug in your original, and then you swap uh, your performance stuff over to your different snowmobile. So um, it's it's not the least expensive way to go about it, admittedly, but is it the best solution? We think so, for sure. And yeah. uh, uh, the racer market hasn't, it, it, the trail guys have, are really liking it and digging it and it works good. Uh, the racer market, it, it's, you know, racing is dollars. Uh, it's dollars and cents and guys are looking at it and it, it, it takes more dollars to make the same horsepower on with the do than it does with the 998 platform. Uh, we can right. get there, but you can get there with a lot less money on the 998s. So the racer guys tend, you know, if you're going bang for the buck, it's a hard sell to racers, but it's good 
absolutely awesome for the trail, lake riding, performance, long, high mileage guys, loving it. Yeah, that's the thing. Precision EFI was on, and they, they said that the, the actual um, Skidoo 900 has a lot more meat in the cylinder, so you can you can push it way further than you can with the Yamaha um, because it's a lot thinner in the walls. So they were they're really excited about the kind of power they're going to crank out of that. Um, and then when you talk about breaking the EC, the the uh, the ECM. Um, it's so funny how like the Hurricane Daves and the Precisions and the the accelerated technologies they all share that code. So you know there's guys working on the on the turbo and the programming part of it, but then you've got John that's actually got them feeding them for the Smart Shock stuff. So mm -hmm. it's a it's a pretty crazy aftermarket world that you're in. Yeah, and, and, and technology's changing like rapidly. You know. 10 years ago, nobody would have even dreamed about half the stuff that we're talking about now. But uh, now it's kind of commonplace and you see it happen all the time. So it's, it, it, it is getting crazy. It's, it, it's like the progression you mentioned, you know, you're asking about what sort of things have I seen? Because <laughs> I'm a little bit older, I've seen a lot happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> there was a time where if you were at your average lake race, you know, a community race out in the lake somewhere and somebody put on a drag race, um, if you had a sled with 150 horsepower, you were the king of the lake. You know, if you had it set up and hooking up, you're probably winning everything. Well, now yeah. that's a stockish sled. Uh, if you want to be king of the snow now, 500 plus uh, at least to get there. Um, and that's where we're running with one of our sleds right now. So, you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Uh, All-Terrain TV said, so it's not locked in your VIN like a diesel truck and it can only be used once versus multiple different machines. And he gives a thumbs up. That's correct, right? That's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. 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 So you guys are kind of doing like, I know it's a huge thing in the automotive industry to have uh, the big, the biggest one is, is Haltech with the Haltech Elite system for standalone free programmable ECUs. You guys are kind of doing that because Skidoo has theirs so locked down and contained. Yeah, and that's, no, that's, I, I, I kind of like to hear that because my biggest worry with these dues in 10 years is because they're so locked down and electronic that there isn't a lot of options that when those electronics start to go a little bit, you know, kooky, are you out trying to find a shitty EC, sorry, <laughs> but find an EC in a junkyard and hope that it works, right? Because like everything's so temperamental with these new machines, right? So right. good to see that you guys are finding ways around that. Dave has spent a ton of research and development on that um, and his staff are still upgrading and working on it and you know they've got a new a new program coming out that's going to take that 900R to 300 horse um, you know they were at 250 maybe 300 here it's in testing right now they've got it done uh, he just wants to do some you know reliability and, and drivability testing before he releases it out but that's coming pretty quick yeah, yeah, I think Vince has it. Vince from Beavertail, he has a 300 horse on his mock right now. Um, yeah. He might be one of the testers on it. So pretty yeah. crazy, but uh, um, get, get Mike Gooley's on that. Yeah, he right. want, all he wants is more power out of his 900T. He's <laughs> probably frothing at the mouth in his shop right now, thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. Dang it, someone's gonna have more horsepower than me. I gotta more money, more money. But it's, <laughs> it's you know, funny. when Dave was on, it's uh he said like there's a new when he was on he had some new reflash out and basically told everybody just you know log in and he'll flash like basically you don't even have to go to him 
he flashes the new mapping for the for the ECM right from your desk to his desk to yours. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. It's you know it's 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 kind of like that too with the flash communicator tool that we have for the 988 platform is that you know there's a number of ways we can do it. You know, I can a person could buy the, the communicator tool so they can uh, communicate their sled, you know, and I can send them their tune to their phone. Um, yeah. Which then goes in, in and reflashes their sled. They can send me their modules. I can do them on the bench here. They can stop by with the sled in a few minutes. You know, I can plug in a tool and do it and they're on their way again. So they like can say the technology has just come so far. Oh, I know. It's, awesome. it's, it's, a, it's really cool. Like it's neat to be in this world. Right. When, when I was uh, starting out in my younger years, I was like, you, if you had a 440, you're the king of the trail. Like oh, yeah. now, now you can't even get your wife a 440, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to, to learn on, you know, you yeah, start four, at 600. 440. Remember a John Deere liquefier, 440, yeah. 440 liquid. That, that was, was the boss. boss man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you had one of those, you were the king. And and doing a modification was plasti dipping your windshield black. Oh my bad. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been spray paint. There was no plasti dip then. Yeah. No, Sorry, no, that's there wasn't. too that was early way, technology. Way Sorry. Um, and ski wideners, you just oh, you yeah. know, make your own ski wideners. That was the key, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's lots of those. Yeah. 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 Guys making uh, their own bolt-on shock kits on the leaf springers uh, to try and add a little uh, suspension adjustment on their uh, on their sleds but yeah it was a it was a different thing for sure yeah no that's cool hey listen uh, do you want to have a look at some fan photos i got a ton to show that people have sent in plus uh, we've got some of your products and more of your sure. racing heritage there what do you think sure yeah absolutely let's do that i'll uh, just run my little pre-show thing and and away we go okay Fan photos are brought to you by Fast Track Snowmobile Traction. This season, quit sliding sideways on the ice and losing races to your buddies. A Fast Track stud kit will help you with improved braking and give you the arm-ripping acceleration you crave. I put over 3,000 clicks last season on my Renegade 850, and I'll tell you, these studs exceeded my expectations. Not one broken stud, my idle wheels still look like new, and they hooked up like I was on rails in the twisties, inspiring confidence every ride. Fast Track Top Gun kits are the highest rated stud kit at 4.9 stars with over 230 reviews. The studs are heat treated stainless so they are strong and they don't rust. The kit is lighter, easier on the track and has a lifetime warranty against braking. Each kit comes with a track specific template for complete balance with over double the scratch lines from stock templates. All listeners when purchasing a stud kit can get a free install kit, a $30 value. Visit FastTrack.co, add both products to the cart, and use the coupon code SNOW at the checkout. That's F-A-S-T-T-R-A-C.co. All right, here we are. Corey Jinks just rolled into the shop. Says, what's up, gang? Here we go. Actually, good question before we get into this. Uh, Sled Tube says, how did your relationship with Hurricane start, Mike? Over the phone, uh, talk, talking to Dave. Um and uh, I, like I say, I had I, I gave him a call one year in the off season when he wasn't going to be too busy, and uh, started uh, having some conversations uh, and back and forth and some. I've been racing with his stuff for a season already um, when that started, 
so we you know i had some questions for him and uh some things we could maybe change a little bit and he had some feedback and this sort of thing and we just sort of hit it off and uh started a relationship from there and uh it's uh, been going great ever since right on that's that's always neat to see how those things flourish right so this is uh this is was in the shop today um we were told Drew and I were told if we uh, we weren't allowed to ride until we got our dryer fixed. So as you can see here, we, we fixed her dryer. So she's come home today after work. She's gonna be really happy to see that. You're multi-talented. Yeah. So if you ever need any uh, LG dryer information, then uh, don't call us. <laughs> But there we Ooh, go. There we are. Yeah. You want to talk about these dreams? Yeah, I can go through the photos. So uh, let, let, let's do a preface for the people who maybe didn't see the Instagram post. Where I alluded to this, but uh, on Friday, this past Friday, we tried to get out. Uh, we had some time in the afternoon off work. So we decided let's, uh, let's try to get out and ride tonight. We unloaded in Fergus and I got two kilometers and sled went into limp mode and I was running one cylinder. So I limped back to the truck and well, lo and behold, dropped an injector on the bag side. So dropped off at Backyard Rec that afternoon and had it back by yesterday. Uh, no, sorry, Saturday in the afternoon. Couldn't ride it till Sunday, but this was our redemption ride. So we started in New Hamburg this day because the trails opened up a little bit more around home. So uh, yes, this is just a bridge that we saw not far from Albell Brewing outside of uh, Blythe. And uh, yeah, more beauty shots, more profile shots. Yeah. True sport in the snowmobile sessions wrap. Yeah, so who, the the black spray paint adds five horsepower, and I said the stickers add five horsepower. I swear that's all I got found more decals I was adding to it. So, uh, We're adding more. Yeah. We're adding yeah. a lot more. So this is Kyle Brewing up in Clyde. Our whole goal was to make it there on Friday with Denon. Yeah, so Denon went by himself and got there way quicker than we did, let's say that. <laughs> was wondering where his tank of gas went. Yeah. After he texts us 20 minutes later. <laughs> That's wild. There's outside of uh, Milverton. Milverton, uh, I don't guess what that, the Milverton Hut. We have a photo there from 2000 and I think 16. I, was, I wanted to keep that up and compare it, but we didn't get there. Next week, I will. Oh, I don't have yeah. it on this phone. Anyways, yeah, so we thought we'd get a picture there because we uh, we stopped there in, I think, 20. It was 2017. It was the only different second weekend of, uh, of uh, January. On the 550 fan, the 800X, and our friend had the, I think it was an, it was a 600? It was a 500. Uh, 583. No, it was just a just 500. A fi yeah. 500ZX. Yeah. So that was yeah. a cool ride. Yeah, it was very cool. This was from today. We decided that my sled needed more abuse to make sure the, uh, it was all still working properly. So we decided to go to uh, my grandma's, uh, do some uh, drift fashion in the field. Drifts were not very bashable. They were very much solid ice. Uh, so it's more like jumping. It was more like you did a jump and then landed. If you landed, if you jumped over the drifts, you're fine. You landed between them. It hurt a lot. Got a big, my, my right knee is bruised because I came off awkward, clipped my knee on my riser bar when I came off. And he rolled at about two miles an hour, which was also entertaining. Yeah. I was, I was doing my mistake. <laughs> he wouldn't let me, wouldn't let me take a photo of it, though. No, I said, please don't. So. <laughs> But we could almost use those Qualipus's roller skis on the uh, on the. Oh yeah, for sure. Pack, as you can see there, but this is this is an area where you <laughs> where you kind of like to get in on the, the perfect time when the drifts start to go early in the season. 
before like now it'll be hard rock and then we'll get the rain this week and then we'll get it to freeze and these things will be like concrete you want to get it probably two days ago would have been perfect here i found the one soft one as you <laughs> see uh very unfortunate when you're not expecting it especially because we're just jumping these things all afternoon all of a sudden you hit one you get stuck and it's like, oh yeah but it's good we're out riding that's all that counts Another beauty shot. Another profile shot. Yeah. Yeah. He also popular. And there's me doing my best Muskoka Freerider impression. I'm getting ready for the mountains, as I always say. Doing some carving. Yeah. We still have to work on our carving technique, yeah. both of us. Do. But man, that that 1.35 ice cover, I saw some comments about that. Our track spot. Or sorry, just 1.35 Cobra with 144 fast track studs. What a monster of a track. That thing just hooks and bucks. There's yeah. no like I was blown away, like the few trail rides, like that we did Halliburton Forest with actual decent snow, and then just at home here, it just it just hooks up so well. So I'm I'm beyond impressed with that. Yeah. But, uh, what do we got here, Dad? This is the Lodge Sessions commemorative T-shirt that's available for purchase now. Um, so Lloydski 800R, he actually bought some today, and uh, the orders are coming in. So I want to try and get all my pre-orders done by Thursday. And we'll get these things screen printed and I'll bring a whack of them up to the lodge. I got some snowmobile session car truck fresheners um, that uh, we'll be throwing in. Uh, this have any down here. Here. I don't have any down here, but uh, yeah. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Gary should give send everyone in the chat one of those teas. Nope. These are the special ones for the ride. You got to, yeah. You know, if, you you, if you want to buy one, you can go to stuff like this.ca, but. It's uh, the the riders were sent the special link to order these shirts and uh, get the orders in by uh, by Thursday. And it's even got me in there uh, adorning this gracious tee. So, Greg Kelly, you better get your order in fast. The points he's going to have them all. I'm telling you. <laughs> but yeah, so here we got all train TV. Did he send me a little? Uh, yeah, at the top of little thing here. Where is he there? Right there. So he says, uh, oh, oh, open down here. So he said, so, hey, Gary, so here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we didn't have snow till last weekend. He put 40 miles on his Rev 600 after cleaning the carbs. Kind of solved the problem, kind of not. All the letter dangle on a 90, 94 Mach 1670. That's a great sled. An 89 Jag 440, an 86 Players 440 that my friend's dad bought new in 87. And the photo of the cylinders are from my 97 Mach 1 700 that's being fully rebuilt right now. I actually had one of those. Um, the Jag lost spark right as we pulled into the bar. But before we left, we said, as long as I can make it to the bar, that's all I care. So it did it job. <laughs> Enjoy the trails while you can. Altering TV. So that's pretty cool. Nice set of jugs there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Man, I, the 700 I had, but I pulled before winter. I should have kept it to ride at least a couple of times before I flipped. A nice fire cat in the background there, too. But yeah, there's the old Polaris and the Mach 1. Sweet, that one. That's, that's the 670. That's pretty cool. It kind of needs a seat recovered, though, or some duct tape. Duct tape, yeah. Do you sell do you sell duct tape for seat repairs there, Mike? Well, I haven't got it listed on their website, but uh, you know, when, when I'm out at a race, I carry about half a dozen rolls of it in case people need some. But nice, yeah. I think it looks a little low too. It looks like it's been slammed. Mach one. 
Yeah, it's cool. when shocks will do that. There's the GSX he was riding. Ooh, that's like bad. one Dino head. Right? What's that? A five? I think he said it was a 600 HL, but Dino's was a 550 fan in that thought, chassis. Okay, could be. I thought I thought in an earlier comment I said I thought he was talking about a 500. Uh, where is Maybe it? Maybe it was a six. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah good that's unit. That's cool. Good unit. There's a Jag. Jags are bulletproof as well. Another good sled for when you're younger and a beginner, you know, ride. You know, the Jag 340s. They're awesome. I don't got that segment of riding anymore for some reason. No. <laughs> My cousin still has one that ships. Oh, yeah. Here, Let him dangle. All Massart said this week is Justin is a Sally. And I don't know why he said that. <laughs> and he shows a picture of him dangling skis and dodging trees. Right? Oh, heck yeah. So that looks great. A little dark in the picture there. So the wrap sweet on that sled. Love it. And then Jinxie Boy says this is his sled getting wrapped by some sexy dude there. I don't know. He, uh, maybe it's not. I like getting, his jacket. That's right. Maybe maybe it's not getting wrapped. I don't know. Maybe it looks like he's running over me after the fact. But yeah. So I, he sent in the pictures of his uh, of his graphics kit and. Uh, Thank you very much for trusting me with your baby like there. Like a that's, what, that's the goal he was going for, and I think he achieved it right there. It says, make his sled match the, the 6-FBHO that he's got there. Did you ever, did you ever have any of those? Look at that. <laughs> Jabroni. Jabroni. <laughs> did you ever have any of those, uh, those cool. do 670s? I haven't, but I've raced against lots of them. The 670 HO. Remember when that first came out? They're really competitive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was a. I had one that was only run on one cylinder. And I figured out halfway through a ride that I had to zip tie the actual spark plug um, boot on Injector because boot. it kept falling off. It wouldn't stay on. <laughs> and uh, I thought it had a lot of power with half with one cylinder. When I got two on, holy, it would straighten your arms. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's a good looking sled. It looks really good. I'm pretty proud of it. And this is Ultimax Mike. Ultimax is going to be on next week. So I can't wait to have Mike Ashby on. He sent me some of these last week. She dangles and uh, shows his, uh, his, uh, his Redneck Dirty Hand sticker that he's got on there. Uh, this is another uh, 850 Turbo R that he's got the Ultimax on there. Nice one. Says on the on that sticker, which is pretty cool, and she's got the <laughs> dangles on the back truck window. So he's a he's a big supporter of redneck dirty hands. I'm telling you. And there they are together. Just so you if you didn't know, there. <laughs> Mike Mike really does exist. So he's coming on next week. So that's gonna be a fun show. We'll see where that we we'll see where that one goes. And then Wisco said he's done 4,000 miles on his, uh, on his sled now, and uh, he says it's time for a new one. Ooh. He says 200 miles this weekend. I'll take it. Warm-up coming. Looking forward to lodge sessions. Also rolled 4,000 miles on the VR1. It's almost time for a new sled. So he shows the odometer there. What's the average speed? Is only 20 miles an hour. Man, that took you a long time to get there. Well, even though it's not abused, you know. That's right. But, uh, no fouled plugs there. Look at the temperature, 128 degrees on that, too. I think he's running a little warm. Looks like you need some cool pieces of ice scratchers for that <laughs> <That's> thing. <right. laughs> 
and fuel. He's only 65%. That's not going to do him well. It's okay. That's a good helix of bridges, too. And look who's in the back, McKenna. He's riding with him and Mrs. Wisco Sledheads. Sexist bridge. Yeah. That's the mini, se- mini sexy eyes. Yeah, yeah mini sexy right. eyes bridge. That looks like it could have been shot in Sudbury, that, that picture. Oh, I like that renegade. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. There's a four stroke for you to tinker with, Mike. <laughs> Absolutely. Trying to blow it up. <laughs> hey, Wesco said trying to blow it up. <laughs> he must yeah, have that, warranty on. It, pe- people always ask, you know, especially when you're dealing with boost, how do you know when you've how much boost is too much boost? Well, the sled will let you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always say the little the little orange light that keeps you warm, you know, the little check engine light. Oh, yeah. Dan already chipped his hood with his rooster rocks. Hey, I live, man. I, I ride behind Corey Brock, so I know what you're talking about, Jinxie. <laughs> all I could hear, all I could hear yesterday when we were riding to the intercoms was ting, 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 ting off his uh, <laughs> off his visor with me leading yesterday as well. Yeah. Thomas Knight sent this in last week too, but I couldn't get to it on the show. And he said that's the fastest that uh, Billy is gone on his turbo. They're being towed <laughs> by this side by side. <laughs> Where about is that from? That can't be fast week. Where is he from? Like, oh, he said it during the show last week. That, oh, it's probably from the fall. Okay, they they drag race those in Peterborough. This other pal Drew Simon, he was in the chat earlier. He was ripping the trails up in uh, in Kearney this weekend. I don't think he sent me any text to go with these. He did. There's two emails. There's two emails. Let me see what the other one says. No, no, no. Just pictures, but uh, they have tons of snow. He said he's he uh, spent the. the the weekend just getting him and his wife sled ready and uh ripping up and down this you recognize this part don't you oh yeah there's usually uh, red and blue lights uh after you hit this uh part everybody's a comedian yeah so oh nice machine yeah he's got some nice sleds 900 turbo and i think there's a 900 naturally aspirated actually but lots of snow like look at that trail that's crazy yeah it's coming. Look at those trees, man. We have a late start to the year, but it's coming. It's, uh, We're about to have a second late start to the year after it rains yeah. <laughs> and gets warm. But and this is good. This is Edgewater Park Lodge, the, the Red Canoe Restaurant. Great spot. We love this spot. You can see here there's tons of snow. So anyone telling you there's no snow up north, I am. There's tons of snow up north. The issue in this area is the, the, Swamp. the swamps and the lakes are still a little soft. So... Um, Hoping this week's going to be softer, but uh, only a sled truck guy just commented. He said the trails are in great shape in Kearney. There's lots of snow for it, and they yeah. they get it. They get snow, especially in Kearney, Kearney north north of there. They get snow every single day. It's it's awesome up there. Those are my favorite yeah. trails. Is that whole band like the um, uh, Lake of Bays all the way up to Mattawa area is just such great trails. Always a lot of snow. Yeah. And then this is forks, fork on Main. Yep, fork, forks on Main. Forks on Main. Well, just fork on Main now. They must have changed orders. Lost I, thought was, fork. I thought it was forks on. Oh, I thought it was too. You only get one, only one fork for your whole <laughs> table. So it's a battle to eat there. Apparently, I think maybe showing us the parking lot. It should be full of sleds this time of year, but uh, it's not. Ooh. And then Odin said the Odin sled and truck guy sent this and. He's been busy working on the trails. And he says a few picks from trail prep this weekend. Fingers crossed, Hill and Gully Trail will open next weekend. So that was 
sent yesterday. So he's talking about not in this coming weekend, but the next weekend, maybe. I don't know. But uh, I hope so, too. We uh, are excited to get up there. But look at the snow in those trails, Drew. Yeah, it's just such a shame about the swamps, right? You see these pictures, and, like, we're seeing pictures from our cottage, and it's like we got all this snow, but it's just the swamps are soft. So it's tough, right? It's tough when you see these photos and you get all it. And it's just excitement building, building, building. And it's like, yeah. oh, are these ever going to open? But it does. Yeah. We, like we rode uh, uh, last weekend of February up at our cottage last year for the first time, actually. But uh, yeah, yeah. Look at the that's where that's where the the groomer shed, isn't it? With the hill and uh, I think that's. Oh, no, that's, that's the other trail. The 50, 54, 102. B. Oh, yeah, okay. That, yeah, I know where that I know where that intersection yeah. is. Yep. Look at the paddles on that, dude. Holy cow. It's a free ride, I think. Good. There we go. Yeah, there's the sign better. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. 102B and 54. I don't know where that intersection is. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, we're looking forward to that. We're Drew is just commenting today that the, the have you ever heard of the rap tour, Mike? No, no. It's around Algonquin Park. So you can see it on the sign here. It goes around the 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 uh, the Algonquin Park, which is okay. off limits to sleds. And uh, we're it's almost open. You can almost do a complete loop. There's a couple of clubs, just including Hill and Gully, that got to come on board, and then I'll be ready to go. What's it again? 900, 800 yeah. kilometers, 900 kilometers, and there's an alternate route, which is a little bit longer, which goes through right through our neck of the woods where our cottage is. That's what this map actually has on. There's it goes yeah. around the what's called the Lake of Bays, and there's two uh, there's two routes. There's main and alternate, which is pretty cool, but. Uh, yeah, it's on the it's on the bucket list, but uh, it's tough because it's it's a multi day. You can do it in a day. Our friend in the chat here, Corey Jinks, is uh, will tell you will tell you all day long about how he does it in a day. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of riding. It's fast riding, hard riding. Oh, he uh, said Drew's corner is about yep. two kilometers from that spot. LOL, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, make sure when you're if you're in this area on the 102B in the 50, near the 54, like where this intersection is. Keep a lookout on the left side of the trail. You may see a sign that says Drew's Ditch on it. And uh, <laughs> viewers a few years ago will know why. Yeah. Ooh, nice. There you go. And then someone said ZRT and put an exclamation mark and sent us a picture of their nice 600. Wait till you see Clean. Up, wait till you see under the hood of this, Mike. That, that's a not oh. so greasy triple. Yeah. There you go. That's that's you could eat off of that triffle. Yeah. Mike could be blown away by my buddies. Uh uh 700 uh, redhead yamaha thing looks like it has like 12,000 k but you can eat off the the cylinder heads man it's, yeah. it's got to take care of it that's pretty there's, there, there's a lot of nice ones floating around out there still but there's a lot of ones which have been ridden hard and put away wet and people want a little too much money for them right now yeah. at the same time right <laughs> you got to be you got to be uh vigilant when looking for them. I that's can't, i can't beautiful. believe how they've come back in, in like everybody wants one now like the triple right so it's uh i think it's a lot with the changing um i want to say the changing paradigm in the snowmobile industry where it's now there isn't the i don't want to say like it's very much going big powerful 850 turbo but that comes at the price of about 27 dollars. so you know people are having more fun modifying listening to these things across the field and, you know like for example like the 99 mach z is a stupid powerful machine would probably do pretty good even with some of these modern sleds if you do some modifications and some tune-ups on them so i think that's a lot to do with it it's cheap performance nowadays i like all-terrain tv he said it's only because of the sound not the reliability that's why that's <laughs> why we that's why we're snowmobilers though you don't 
you know you we actually seen our cat remember that one we seen on the trail on on sunday with yep. it with the really loud gnarly exhaust on oh it. that was a full-on race snow cross sled wasn't even i don't even had any conversion done to us all the yellow headlight and the the, the integrated taillight and the seat, the huge snow flap, that thing was nasty. It was just idling, and it was like, yeah, it sounded was, like it was going past 100 miles an hour. Yeah, it was uh, it was gnarly. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy. And here we are. You you actually had a comment about this photo I chose there, Mike. Would you talk about that? Yeah, it, it it was funny because you know you mentioned you just went on the socials and kind of randomly picked a photo from that I had posted up there, and. Uh, um, the fellow in the foreground there of that picture riding that assault, I'm not even sure who that is. He was some unsuspecting fellow, but this is at a race um, last year. And the sled in the background, the F7, that's actually my wife on that sled. Um, <laughs> and at that particular point in time, she's laying a spanking on that guy too. So um, <laughs> um, awesome. she, is, she is very competitive um it, you know uh, she would come around with me to races she uh she grew up in the victoria area on the island in bc and there's no sled around victoria so she had no exposure to snowmobiles or anything and uh you know and, and when we started getting together she she was tagging along with me because i'm gone just about every weekend during the winter time racing and she noticed that there was a Quite a few ladies that were drag racing too and and they tend to do quite well because on average they're a little bit lighter and it's kind of a proven scientific fact that they actually have better reflexes on the light uh a lot of drag racing has studied that she said well i'd like to try that and i'm like holy cow that's pretty cool but you've never ridden a, ridden a sled in your life and you want to go race them you know so <laughs> so we're just driving straight line how hard can it be yeah, that's right <laughs> so you, you know, just make the throttle an on off switch like no matter how much throttle you give it it's 100 percent, and then you're good and and thankfully <laughs> that's kind of the way she goes she's either she's either dead stopped and relaxed or wide open doing stuff and her strategy works really well drag racing because she doesn't know what half throttle is i'm not even sure she understands that you can actually moderate the speed in there a little bit so uh so yeah it's uh it, she does she does quite well and she's had uh, we've had a, a couple or three sleds for her over the years and uh, but uh, she's also pretty small so a lot of the newer style sleds you know a stock sled they they sit up pretty high and and uh, so she likes to be a little closer to the ground it's a little bit safer and so we went with an older one and back in the the mid 2000s um, firecat was a game changer in the industry um regardless of your brand loyalties and uh at the time i was more of a polaris guy but the the firecat the f platform was a total game changer in the industry especially in the drag racing world they were just that much more efficient engine had gobs of power for its displacement and uh so yeah so i've got her set up with the that's she, she trail rides that one um that, that's her trail ride instead every once in a while she lets me on it but uh but yeah, that's her. Uh, that's her laying a beating on somebody at a race last winter. So that's great. It yeah. looks like looks like she treated him. Yeah, yeah. She she Made she got the out there, but the sled set up pretty good too. So it's uh, it, sometimes we make up for her lack of experience with the uh, with the sled set up and try and get a combination going. So yeah, there you go. 
Jarrett White says, so many people love those F7s, eh? Pete, too. Might be time to turn the Kijiji notifications on, LOL. And I said, I already have them on. Keep off. <laughs> the uh, the video where we go to Turkey Point, we rode with a guy, just picked one up. That was back in the day, though. And it was a steal for 2300 bucks. That exact one your wife has there. And yep. uh, he had the matching snowsuit to go with it. And helmet, yep. all orange and yeah i've got actually got another picture over here i don't know if i can put it up or not but uh yeah you can if you want to throw it in there i'll 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 try i'll get um one second here try and do that there we go nice oh yeah yeah so that's her uh on, on her machine there and it's it's a little bit customized in that we changed some um uh the, the the paint and the hood and the decals are changed around a little bit but uh but yeah that's her doing her thing yeah i love the airbrush effect around the headlight bezel there yeah yeah cool. it, it, yeah it worked out so um yeah it it, it it's cool and that's uh it, it's funny at the time when when she first started um uh, when we first got together and she started following me around and and uh decided she wanted to go racing i thought oh my god you know she, she'll put up with me and she likes snowmobile racing i better marry this lady <laughs> that's awesome yeah. <laughs> and the rest is history yeah. <laughs> that we, got, we, we took there's so a i should have had her on tonight not you yeah okay? exactly <laughs> okay we'll know for next time <laughs> um talk about doing this for a long time um there's an idea that sled was new at the, that's the first year that was a new sled that year and that's me on it so uh that's a little example of 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 how old uh, or how long i've been doing this um it, it's been it, it's when a uh, one-piece snowsuit was called a onesie and not a monosuit that it is that it is now but uh yeah, they, they, they just tried to get the mountain guys just gave it a cooler name that's all <laughs> you know, the, uh, it looks like you're not very happy. Did you get beat by any land that day or what? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Really. That was that was up by Flimflon, Manitoba. It was probably about 30 below. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. The uh, yeah. um, I thought for sure you had sent in a picture of Wisco Sledheads last weekend. <laughs> this looks like him. <laughs> Same suit and everything. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, been, been around for a long time. You know, that, that, that was, that a Panther was actually kind of a game changer back. I think that's a 70 or 71. I'm trying to remember the year, but most of the sleds. In the day, yeah. Has, this would had a slide rail suspension and most of the sleds back then were still bogey wheel. Um, oh, so absolutely. yeah, it, so it was kind of, um, ahead of its time. Um, as far as the suspension technology goes and rode better than the other ones and stuff. So um, as much as it was a long time ago and a one longer, it, it, uh, it was pretty advanced uh, for, for the day. What what's, is that the drive cogs that I'm looking at right, right? Oh, you can't point here down the track more on that. Oh, no, that's more of the, the drive cogs would have been up inside. So um, is that yeah, an idler? Yeah, be an idler up there. Yeah, it's pretty advanced. That's pretty wild. Yeah. 
And what do we got here? Some of your holy history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, been around for a long time. Haven't been in the business for that long, but people say, well, you know, nobody wants to deal with somebody that's new in the business. And as much as I haven't been doing this for a business for that long, the, the racing history is, is pretty long. And th th those are just some of the highlights, I guess. Um, it, you know, you, you can't put every, everything in there for, for, for all the different wins, but, uh, you know, we've won races in every Western Canadian province, um, from BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, um, championship points races on grass, ice, snow, uh, in almost every class from, from stock up to king of the snow, um, uh, or, or outlaw. And it, it's, you know, we've done, we've swayed different ways, uh, from time to time. And, uh, you know, one thing we did for, for a few years in a row was, um, kind of what's becoming real popular now. And one of the race circuits that competed in started a classic class and, uh, oh, you know, nice. sleds, sleds that were 95 and older, the greasy triples fit right in there. And, uh, um, you know, we're trying to promote and grow the sport because it's a less expensive way to get into racing. So for example, a new sled, what's a new 850 turbo R after tax in Canada, grand, let's say, yeah. 30 yeah. grand. Accessories yeah. and taxes. Um, you know, you could have, you know, if you're racing classic sleds, you can have a trailer full of them. You could probably have four or five, you know, for that much investment and go racing and, and have some fun. So, so we did that for a long time. Um, use some of our experience with the, with the old triples and racing the classics and, uh, and did really well with that. Um, but the last few years, it's been the, the focus has been on, uh, newer sleds and specifically the turbo stuff. If, if you haven't felt the pull of 300 horsepower, um, going out the back door, it, 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 it makes a big difference. Uh, you know, I've had over the years. You know, pro stock 800s had big bore triples, hot to go motor stuff, um, and they're fast. Don't get me wrong. Um, sleds were lighter um, than certainly than you know a stock four-stroke sled is now, and, and they're quick and they and they go fast. But nothing pulls on the top end like that big turbo four-stroke. It's uh, it, you know when you hit 90 mile an hour and it starts accelerating faster, it's <laughs> yeah, it starts to come alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh i believe it they say that's the 850r's like too is like the turbo r's it's just linear and it's it's ready to play at any speed you yeah. know um the uh you said you mentioned about doing performance and racing on the old greasy triples what do you do like and but you i know you like dealing with the turbos the the yamaha turbos what do you do to a, a greasy triple for performance wise to squeeze more out of it well, a couple things. Once again, um, a lot of times now guys have already had some motor work done because these engines have been around for a long time. I mean, they haven't been produced yeah. for 20 years. So yeah. chances are they've got a set of pipes and some engine work and stuff done on it. So at this point, it's it's helping with their efficiency. So things like in the drivetrain and the skid. Um, the I used to do um, some porting. Um, and, and engine work on the insides and was very successful with it. Uh, we use computer programs to help design the exhaust, the intake and exhaust ports and that sort of thing. But it's it's a small part of the market, you know, there's been nothing new produced there. So we've kind of gone away from that. 
um, from that pure race sled thing. And there's some really good companies that are still doing some work in that and doing the research and development. You know, Intimasi would be a good example of a Canadian company that's still yeah. doing that. So, uh, um, so yeah. So rather than compete there, um, we've we've moved on to a little bit different uh, kind of a segment. So yeah. very cool. I love these wedges. It's a great picture. <laughs> a bunch of wedges lined up. It's the it's the history. Um, once again, this the, it's not current, but that was the four sleds in our race trailer for a few years. Um, very, they each had a, a special place. That was a '93 XLT SKS. That was the first full production year of the XLT. Uh, a '93 Storm uh, SKS. Um, once again, first year for the for the Storm uh, 750 that we boarded out to 800. Uh, a 91 650 full race motor. Uh, I was making about 175 horsepower uh, with that 650. And then the first, wow. yeah, <laughs> uh, it ran, it was a 10,000 RPM race engine. Um, That's you wouldn't want to trail ride that one. Um, no. and, and, <clears throat> the, uh, and then the uh, 95 uh, XCR at the end there, that was uh, one of the ones that my wife drove. But uh, th that was a lot of fun. Uh, we went through uh, two or three years like that, um, kind of that, just pointing back to some of the racing heritage of, where we got to how we are now from where we were before. Yeah. Do you still own these? Like, do you do you? Have I still wish I did. I wish I did. Oh. Each one of the each one of those has been sold. Um, and it's funny because I've never had trouble selling a sled. I have trouble storing them. I don't have a lot of storage space to put things. I wish I had more space. Um, but I, I guess because I've been around for a while, the Anybody, if they get an inkling that, hey, that sled might be for sale, it tends to go fairly quickly. So, <laughs> oh, I, I bet, right? Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's funny. You went from Polaris to Yamaha, though. Like, you're getting there. You're honing in. Like, soon you'll be to Skidoo, the, the good side. Yeah, I took a lot of heat over that. It was... Yeah, it, it was for, for years and years, I, I, I raced Polaris and towed them with a GM truck. And then in the same year, I switched to Yamaha and a Ram pickup. I had people all over me from every side of it. Uh, what the heck is going on? And, and uh, yeah, I took, a, I took a lot of flack over it. Um, this picture is kind of actually brought back from the grass racing days. A lot of times, you know, you, you talk about guests on the show and they got into it as a family sort of thing. And, and maybe, the, you know, it, they they got did some racing or some competition or some sledding because their their parents were in it their dad was in it right um yeah. it was kind of the other way around my 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 parents snowmobiled and you know we used it and he, he ice fished and planned planted nets in the winter time and it was more of a utility sort of thing but i kind of drugged my dad into uh, snowmobile racing and he was in his 60s when he did his first race on grass and so That's i set up awesome. a sled yeah, it was really, really cool. And uh, so I set up a sled for him and we got him going. And we raced in Prudent. We actually had a couple. Um, we had matching sleds and uh, and we went out and raced uh, together a lot. And that was a lot of fun. So that's a picture of me and Pa there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Very neat. I love it to get hooked at 60 years old, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. him there ripping, ripping it? Oh, no, that's me that's, uh, on a Pro Stock 800 on grass. Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And a little bit of ice racing going on there. Um, that was the year that I won a championship with a 600 triple uh, on ice. Do you, uh, do you prefer snow? Do you prefer ice drags yourself or do you prefer grass drags? What, what do you, what do you really get excited about? Um, I get excited about snow now cause you can do more of it, but my favorite is grass because it's warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you need to work on something, you're not freezing your hands off when you're doing a track side adjustment. So <laughs> yeah, no, grass, grass, grass is a lot of fun. I, I like grass a lot. And, uh, you know, you can sit back in a lawn chair between heats if you're not fixing something that's broken and, uh, and it's a good time. Yeah. There you go. There's still a chance for you to go gray racing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he said for Gary to go racing. There you go. That's what it is. We're all thinking it. What is, um, what's that sled in the background there? That's pretty wicked. It looks like a formula or something. Converted yeah, like a yeah. mock. Just absolutely. Yeah, that'd be open mod. Um, like I say, this is going That's back cool. a few years. So, you know, the, the you know, the used to call them the cookie cutter or the cookie sheet race sleds where, you know, custom chassis low to the ground, um, you know, hood kind of fab to fit over top of everything. Um, that, that was the hot sled uh, on the ice at the time. You know, we've kind of gone away from there. And if you, you know, you look at the snow outlaw stuff, it's, little bigger a little wider a um, little bit higher I mean they're the, the, the power plants are bigger right the engines yeah. are bigger because most of them are you know big four strokes but uh, at that time the hot ice sled was was that cookie sheet open wide style yeah. yeah right on very cool I mentioned here, we had a couple of sleds that were set up almost the same um yeah so that, that's one of uh one of my favorite pictures we're sitting on a starting line waiting uh at a grass race and uh that that that's uh <laughs> yeah that's me and my dad in that picture and uh it we hardly ever got to race each other because as much as they look the same and they were both set up as improvers his was actually a 600 what it said on the hood mine yeah. wasn't um it was substantially more than that um, my friends, uh, kind of affectionately called it the six ish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had one guy write it with a marker on the hood one time at a race. Um, but, uh, so, so yeah, but th this was a particular one. There's kind of a break and they had some grudge racing going on. And so we grudge race each other. And, uh, that's kind of one of my favorite, uh, pictures because you can see it there. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, what do you use for clutching on your high horsepower kits? It depends on exactly how high the horsepower is. Your stock clutching um, on the uh, turbo setups is good up to about, you know, with some changes in the weights and springs, obviously, you're good up to about 300 horsepower. After that, you're gonna be looking to get out of a stock primary clutch. Um, you can use the tap clutch, works pretty well, up to the, you know, under just under 400 horsepower works pretty well. Um, you get up into that range, you have to start looking at grading your secondary. We sell some STM stuff. So STM secondary works very well on those setups. And you get over 400 horsepower, and then you're pretty much looking at a STM combination. Um, 
currently on our tops that we're running an STM 8 arm on the primary and uh, an STM secondary. Pretty cool. Yeah, there, there, there's more in clutching on the top sled than there was in both these classics. So. <laughs> right on, right on. Oh, here we are dangling. She dangles. Yeah, she dangles. Yeah, so you, you can see which one, which, which sled had the six-ish motor in it there. So, yeah. Nice. Right. I got a picture, and I got to show you. So. <laughs> From one of your fans. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It'll come up. Binder. <laughs> this is cool. Always a yeah, that was the first year we went to the Sidewinder platform. Um, I made a pretty bold prediction um, just off of how we were working that we were going to win first race out. Ended up uh, ended up cleaning up. So, uh, so yeah, it's been uh, kind of history from there. Yeah. Very cool. What was that one in terms of power? That one was 270. Tune up on that one. Okay. Um, stock muffler tune on that. That's pump gas. Through the stock muffler, 270 wow. horse. Yeah. Sweet. And that's one of the more popular kits that we sell now, too. Um, yeah. That's, uh, when we were there, that's 2022. Oh, man. I probably, I probably talked to you at this at this booth because I was hanging out here looking at gawking at all the the uh, the race sleds at this booth. So I probably actually talked to you when I was there with my buddy. Yeah, we've got your sponsor in the background. I thought you'd like this picture. Um, yeah, I built that booth actually for him. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the Hurricane crew and uh, uh, the the great fat guy in the back. That's me. They're helping out. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that was uh, uh, went down, spent some time with them. Great bunch of people. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, he is fun at that show, man. He he works it. Friendly, friendly guy. Yeah. 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 So this was at uh, Edmonton this fall. Um, the biggest show in the West is the Edmonton Power Sports Show. And uh, Dave and his wife Elaine uh, came out and uh, gave us a hand at the booth out here. Myself and uh, a fellow from Watasco in Alberta, Dwayne Hines is the other fellow in the red and black shirt there. Uh, gives me a lot of help with uh, uh, some of our parts testing and development. And uh, he has a really great farm too that we, uh, not only is he a great friend, but uh, we go and we test on his property, so uh, it's uh, um, it kind of leads to the name of uh, um, the, the orange sled in the background there, the King Cat. We nicknamed it the Farm Sled, and uh, it works really great for going out and checking on the cattle when you got to get there in a hurry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if every farmer could have one of those, right? Yeah, they'd have more. They'd have more to bitch about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is just uh, a, a copy of a signboard we had at uh, um, a couple of snow shows. You had actually asked a question earlier about packages. Um, do we sell individual parts? Yes, absolutely. These are a couple of the more popular packages um, that we sell and are listed on the website. So, you know, a switchable up to 270 horse on, you know, pump gas, uh, stock muffler. So, stock sound uh everything uh up to 300 horse with a performance muffler so those are real popular um uh, probably the most two most popular things we sell as far as power upgrade 
goes. Uh, you can we can go way more than 300 horsepower for sure. Um, it it starts costing some more money. It's uh, one yeah. of those things like yeah, stick dollar bills under the hood because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can go more and have gone more. Um, but in terms of bang for your buck, that, that those really hit the the heart of the market right there. And that's on and that's on stock clutching for both those kits. Yeah, um, both of those kits include um, some adjustable weights for your primary. But, okay. Yep. Uh, yeah, so it, it comes complete with the basic things that you'd need, uh, the program, a uh, couple of little things, a map sensor, uh, blow-off valve, some adjustable clutching for the primary, but it's the basics that you need to uh, get that horsepower running on your sled. Kind of awesome. Stock muffler and pump grass, 270 horses. Serious, man. That's awesome. That's oh, what yeah, I want to comment on is, is the stock muffler thing is huge uh, because with with all the pressure being put on with, you know, closing trails and things like that, a lot of the performance guys tend to favor the loud pipes, and that's not really good for trail riders. And it doesn't matter where you are. If you're, if you're in Ontario or Michigan, I'm sure they have the problems out in – in Alberta as well, the same as what we deal with here. So to see you getting 270 horsepower and keeping the 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 you know the popo happy, that's yep. uh, that's really good. So congrats on that. That's awesome. Yeah, my trail sled. Um, it, my wife has the F7. I've got a an SRX trail sled Sidewinder SRX. Um, I run it 270 horse trail sled all day long. Yeah, that's. Awesome. Do you do anything for aftermarket turbos or is it mainly for um, the sled that comes stock with the turbo? Um, mainly for the sleds that come stock. Um, it, because there are some great options from the original equipment now in terms of turbo sleds, um, you don't see too much anymore of people putting turbos on a sled that didn't originally have a turbo. Um, that was really popular at one point in time, a turbocharging, you know, an apex, uh, a nitro. Um, that, that was a big thing for a few years. But now with the options coming out, you do turbo two strokes uh, from Polaris and, and Dew now. Um, and your turbo four strokes from, from Dew, Articat, and Yamaha. We're not seeing too much of that anymore. Um, there's still some availability, but it, it's not as popular as it once was for sure. Um, the slide that you have up on there now is actually a product that I came up with. It was uh, one of my first things um, to get uh, a lot, some of the functions to work. I, I mentioned that communicator that can talk to your phone and program the sled and that sort of thing. Um, to have data logging and communicate that back. Because the way our data logging works, if you want to data log some things off the snowmobile, um, and it's particularly helpful in racing because when you're going 100 mile an hour in four or five seconds you don't have time to be watching the the instrumentation um you have to look back and see how this sled performed and where your rpm was at and where you can make changes so but to have that all work you have to have that communication piece actually on the snowmobile and there was no really good way of mounting it and because that communicator is a fairly expensive piece of electronics uh i came up with a uh, a protection box for it so it could be mounted safely on the snowmobile and protect it a little bit. And uh, so if you're using it either long-term trail because you're going to store different tunes in it 
or maybe you're going to use launch an aftermarket launch control that we offer or the data logging is a big one now you've got a safe way to mount it on the snowmobile so that was one of my first unique products um as far as i know nobody's got anything else like it um dave's actually picked it up he's got them listed on his site now as well and uh it's been working really good so very cool so you can put launch control on a sled that didn't come with its stock yeah on the 998s for sure and it's adjustable you can adjust depending on your clutching um you can adjust your your stutter point and where it holds that and how much boost you want it to make and yeah it, it it's easy to get carried away with it <laughs> right you on. Have to be careful what's that do you mind if i ask what that tool's worth there right there the the flasher well, the flasher is 700 and some dollars, the communicator part. Um, oh, cool. that, that was one of the driving forces behind coming up with the idea to offer some protection and a good way to mount that on the snowmobile because you really don't want to have it bouncing around the bottom of the belly pan when it's uh, when it's that much money. So, Yeah, and Jared says data logging is huge. makes it easy if you, for you guys if customers have issues. That's We're very true. 100%. Yeah. yeah you can say what's it reading you know what are we looking at yeah there we go oh is that the bearings? oh here's your little bearings that's cool yeah yeah that's an example uh, uh of the bearing there that's the uh, the packaging how you get it when you order them um the uh that's an example of 604 6004 bearing um one of the most common ones for idler wheels in the chassis um it's the standard bearing on most skidoos in the rear uh rear axle and uh, on the front idlers as well. So uh, that's an example of, of the bearing. We kind of talked about that story, but uh, but that's the, the bearing product right there. Yeah. Nice. Nice little package it comes in. They almost Ooh, wanted, wheel would want to give it to your wife at Christmas time. <laughs> you think well, she's getting jewelry. Well, well, it's a premium bearing. Um, so, uh, you know, when, when I was coming up with it and, and doing the testing, you know, it's, we don't sell them because they're the least expensive bearings on the market. Um, they're extremely competitive for what they are uh, in terms of their performance. But, um, but yeah, it should come in some nice packaging if you're, if it's, if it's going to be a little bit more money. So yeah, true. Make you feel like you're getting your, your money's worth, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, let, 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 let's, let's be fair on that and go ahead. Now, now you know, what the picture you got up there now, um, that's actually a combination of items. The, the wheels, I mentioned that I have a partnership with Trick Toys out of Ontario. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the wheels are done um, by the fella at Trick Toys, but uh, a lot of the kind of two seven, 2017 through 2019 Articat and Yamaha snowmobiles they used what was called a tri-hub. There was no wheels on the outer side of the rails. They were all in between the rails and it was kind of a, a plastic sort of assembly that bolted together on there. So it became real popular for the trail and crossover guys to put a uh, fourth, fourth wheel kit. So you have the wheels on the outside as well. Uh, it yeah. leads to more support back there. You know, there was a question from a from one of the viewers earlier about you know the strength of bearings and that sort of thing. And anytime you, you go from two wheels to four wheels at the back, it spreads that load. Um, and it's more stable for a trail sled or a race sled. So the the manufacturers used to actually, it was very common, they had an accessory kit that you could bolt on. Um, but that's getting hard to find. Matter of fact, if you go to Yamaha now, and I've tried to go to their site, they they don't, uh, you know, they say it's on permanent back order type of thing, which means 
you're probably never going to get it. Um, and, and it's getting harder to get. So I thought, and some of these sleds, they can say a new, a new turbo sled after tax is 30 grand. So, you know, yeah. even if you used one, a nice used one, if it's 17 to 20, um, you want to have a nice wheel kit. <laughs> Good question there. Thanks for the comment. Um, the, uh, so what I did is I came up with uh, this exterior kit. I uh, had a custom CNC machine, the standoffs, to go on it. It comes with the highest quality, grade 10.9 uh, bolts and hardware. And then uh, inside the wheels, uh, I put in the ceramic hybrid bearings that we were talking about earlier. So yeah. it, it's, it's the nicest outer wheel kit on the market. It's not the least expensive. Um, I'll admit that <laughs> it's competitive. Yeah. <laughs> it's competitive, um, but uh, um, but yeah, it's 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 the nicest one out there for sure. Yeah, oh for sure. That's saying all train TV said those wheels look slick. What do they cost? <laughs> <laughs> Visit yeah, the website. There it is assembled. That that makes this picture makes it all make sense. Yeah, and that's actually the the inner part of the of, of the assembly. I mentioned that there was a. Um, that the Procross chassis used kind of a plastic combination where the wheels bolted together. This is a replacement and an upgrade for that. So what it is, it's a bigger diameter axle in the center that they actually went to on a very limited number of sleds at the run. But if you if you know the right sled and you can print the right order and you can get that part from the manufacturer. So I get the axle from Arctic Cat and then press on the billet wheels for more strength looks performance with the uh, uh, with the ceramic hybrid bearings and it makes for a real top quality no top notch replacement for the original tri hub plastic assembly so um, that's pretty awesome yeah yeah there's a video on I, I think I've got it on the website too and on the socials where I take that and I give it a finger spin um, on the wheel and you can just watch it and it seems like it goes forever because it keeps turning and turning and turning and turning and turning yeah right on when you add a big wheel kit do you have to change the adjusters or track or will it all will it all automatically adjust into the into your stock track no if it depends if you're just going up a little bit in size you can put a little bit bigger wheel usually there's enough room in there um or most commonly, if you're going to go up, like, say, a full inch or two inches in size, maybe you're going from an eight inch to like a 10 inch wheel, then you have to have an offset axle to accommodate for that. Or you're not going to have you're going to lose your your attention adjustability in the track and it's going to hang too low below your sliders at the back of the axle. And that could cause some problems, too. So um, we use offset axle to uh, to compensate for that. Uh, I got you. Would you want four all-terrain TV? Would you want four wheels for trail or just two inner wheels for off-trail? That depends on who you ask, and it depends on your situation. Uh, the off-trail guys, mountain guys, because I deal with a lot of mountain guys, they're all yeah. about, they just want to have the wheels on the inside. That's why we offer a wheel upgrade for just the inside, inside or a bigger wheel for, for inside between the rails. Because they want that flexibility and they want to be able to lean that sled over easier when they're side hilling, they're making maneuvers between the trees. If you're mostly a trail rider, you're going across fields, trails, lakes, 
or you're racing, drag racing, you don't want it to be leaning over once you've got that weight on the back axle. You want the more stability there. You want that extra strength there because you're not riding in five feet of power. It's a hard snow, ice sometimes. So if you're a trail, lake, race kind of guy, you're probably going for four wheels. If you're a deep, deep snow mountain guy, you're probably wheels on the inside of the rails. And that's why, you know, a cat went to the Alpha 1 suspension with, uh, uh, with the, you know, the monorail and the wheels really, really close uh, to the center of the track. Yeah, sweet. That was this a customer photo actually said we can do some custom order stuff too um that's on an srx you can see the yamaha blue rails so we yeah. had some wheels made up in yamaha blue and uh, built machine for him so he he sent that in it's a well we love the customer photos so we want to and we thank him for sharing that so uh, we want to show him a little bit of love on on the show so right on right yeah. on it, the, the rubber on those wheels is very thin is there a reason for that um, yeah, uh, it, it doesn't need to be any thicker. Um, most billet wheels, and as a matter of fact, we've got one coming out uh, that doesn't have the rubber on it. Um, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But a lot of guys like the idea of the rubber. And, it's, you know, as you can see, this one's got studs on it. Um, depending on the application, if you're running a lot of low snow, um, you know, maybe some studs that, that aren't fast track studs you know where they they aren't easy on the idler wheels um then the the rubber just gives you a little bit of extra protection on there um if you've got maybe more of a race situation uh or if your wheels are done differently so for example these wheels are powder coated powder coat doesn't like to handle um you know abrasives and that very well um there's different things you can do with the wheels but if you go with a powder coated wheel the rubber just adds a little bit of extra protection. I gotcha. Does do you find that with ice buildup, if you're on snow or trail or whatever, do you find that the rubber helps the ice not stick as bad to the aluminum, or does it not matter? It can help um, for sure. We don't see a lot of ice buildup on the wheels. That's that's not really a big issue. Um, if you're motoring along all the time, um, <laughs> the snow shouldn't shouldn't get built up on no, those. That's true. <laughs> yeah if you're riding hard enough i don't see where the snow's got time to pile up <laughs> it's stick anywhere yeah exactly, exactly. um uh, i've heard that i don't really experience it but uh it depends on again on the construction of the wheels and and how they're coated as well so yeah, yeah for sure oh that looks great that yeah so i mentioned that i deal with a number of different machinists and manufacturers that is done by our good friend uh, Jesse at Elevation Design and Machine. And it kind of leads into something brand new that's coming out for us. Um, he's had that design for a little while now and the wheel's been very popular. And that's a raw aluminum wheel there. Uh, and for a lot of guys though, it's very, it, it they wanna do a bit of a wheel upgrade, but with most of the aftermarket wheels in the marketplace, the bearing size isn't right where they can just take the wheel, their aftermarket wheel, whether it be a plastic or a bill of aluminum, and swap it onto their machine. It's not a direct swap. Um, so started talking to Jesse, and what we're doing, and we've got a brand new line coming out um, of wheels where it's this design, but it's going to have the same for the Arctic Cats, 
uh, and the Yamahas from 2019 and up, including the new Catalyst machine, that brand new machine that's come out. Uh, yep. They will use, all of them, use a wheel like this. Yeah. It's a plastic wheel. Um, there's no other one on the market um, to replace it. There's no aftermarket wheel because it uses a specific bearing size in it. Uh, where it's 25 millimeters inside, but it's a narrower bearing. Um, and a lot of people say, well, why a narrower bearing? Well, there's probably some reasons why they did that. Um, cost is probably one of them. But the other is that and the narrower bearing also spins a little bit easier than a wider bearing because there's just less friction in the bearing. Right. Yeah. Uh, so probably why they went to that particular design. But it's it's not very common. So what we're doing is we're machining wheels like this that take the OE bearing size, the OE clip, they are a direct replacement wheel for all of the new and newer Procross and Catalyst sleds for Articat and Yamaha. So you don't have to get a whole kit with different spacers and axle changes and to get everything to make these custom wheels fit on there. It's going to be this wheel as a direct replacement wheel for like I say, the Articat Procross 2019 and up, and the Catalyst uh, nice. sledge. Uh, once again, not the mountain sledge because the mountain sledge uses the Alpha One with the yeah. uh, 10-inch wheels on it. Uh, but uh, and the new Yamaha sleds, new now, so all the Sidewinders, SRXs, all that that uses that same wheel. There's two different sizes. The 146 tracks use a different size than uh, some of the other size wheels, but we're going to offer both sizes. And it'll be a direct replacement. And that's the prototype wheel there. Um, they aren't going to, that's a raw aluminum wheel. They are going to be hard anodized in black. So some of those questions that you asked about durability with the rubber and yeah. ice buildup, um, we're going to be giving them an extra, an extra coating uh, with hard anodizing. There's a couple of different types of ways you can anodize things. Um, there's two different processes. A lot of people aren't aware that they think anodizing is anodizing, but there's some different ways that you can anodize things. And so we're going to go with the hard anodizing to strengthen that outside, um, and it'll make it look awesome. Um, it's, so we're really, really excited about that. Production is underway right now. Um, we're expecting availability in the next two to three weeks on that. Cool. Um, and it, once again, it's a custom, stronger aftermarket wheel as a direct replacement um so you don't have to worry about you know is it got a custom bearing in it that i'm going to have a hard time finding down the road um or my clips or anything like that or the, the spacers on the axle it'll directly go in in place of the wheel that you have and as we've researched it i don't think there's anything like it in the market to do that so we're yeah, so if you if you bought a, a new sled a catalyst or whatever you could buy this wheel kit take your clip and bearing off the brand new wheel that's in it and you're off to the races and then down Bingo. the road, you can upgrade the bearings. It's pretty cool. Does yeah, it, you here's a question. Does a bigger wheel kit take some friction off your slides as well? Because if you had too big of a wheel, your track wouldn't even be touching the slides in the back. What do you, what do you say to that? Yeah, we, we, we don't do that. It, it would, if you went with just a bigger wheel, without with with your stock axles and adjusters and everything it's going to take you know if you went just a margin if you're just going you know an eighth of an inch or something like that it's going to take some pressure off the back rails 
But if you go too much bigger than that, I re really don't recommend it because now, you, like you said, it's taking all the pressure off the skid and you're going to be putting extra pressure on that back axle and you're going to run out of room on your adjusters as well because anything you're growing in height, you're also growing forward and back. So it's going to take away from some of your adjustability in the track. So unless you're going with just a marginally size bigger wheel than what you have, recommend adjusting that with an offset axle i got you yeah sounds good and sled tube says he asked about clutching earlier but forgot to ask about best suited belts for high horsepower sleds well i could tell you what i use and it's going to feed right into your next week's show i race and use ultimax belts nice so, there you go <laughs> I was um, I, I've, tried a, I've tried a few from the oem belts to the different and for years I've been racing and winning with Ultimax belts. It's what I sell and they're coming on your show next week. So there's a good segue. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And I, I chatted with Mike and, and his boss and uh, this week and had a really good conversation and opened my eyes about belts and how to identify certain belts. And, and uh, it's going to be a really educational show, everybody. It's some one, one you're going to want to tune into because I hadn't really given much thought to Ultimax belts until, you know, Pete started talking about them last week. And I've seen them at trade shows and stuff, but I didn't realize why there's so much hype about them. And we're going to find out why that is next week. So yeah. stay tuned on that. It's going to be an awesome show. But yeah. there you go. He'll get into much more detail for you. But uh, um, the, the best way to answer a question is with, what do I use personally? And that's what I use personally. Yeah, so. that's sweet. Perfect. Good to know. I love this. This is that's the the kit right there. Yeah, the, the, that's a mock-up um, of, of some ones we're doing. I think that's a do chassis actually, um, with a direct replacement uh, wheel on it. So we're gonna you're gonna see a lot of that coming out from us with direct replacement wheels. Matter of fact, two minutes before the show started, I had a a message ping on my phone that I haven't had a chance to answer yet. And it was, hey, do you offer anything for dues? And the answer is yes. So if they happen to be watching, yes. And uh, there'll be more information on the website on that real quick. So yeah. right on. Uh, well, no rubber on those wheels at all. That was a good point. That was, yep. uh, and then uh, <clears throat> All Train TV says, makes sense. I'm going to look into that for my Mach 1 and Exciter. Do you have parts for some? Some of the common vintage sled exciter 97 mach one that type of thing yeah we can certainly do wheels for those i get asked about that quite a bit um most of the sleds in that area era started out with like a six and three eighths wheel uh on the back and uh yeah we can uh, upgrade the size of those if a lot of them have already been changed if somebody's got a sled that they've modified they might have offset rails in it but if they still got the stock rails we can go up to about an eight or a nine inch, depending on the sled, um, on, on the older sleds and make that work. So if somebody has a specific application, because you're kind of going down the rabbit hole, there's so many combinations on these that I like to answer questions as individually as I can based on the sled. Uh, so somebody just, if they ever have a question, drop me a note on the contact form on the website or message on Facebook or something like that. And uh, I'll do the best I can to research it and give them some options. Right on. You know, the number of, of uh, wheels I've seen torn apart, the rubber on them, like this, 
this no rubber wheel makes perfect sense. Yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the racers like it, like the real super high speed guys, drag racing guys, um, like the no rubber on the wheels and they go with the all aluminum. Yeah, oh, for sure. And the, here's some screwdriver bits, some slot screwdrivers varying width. <laughs> yes. Um, there's some really great companies out there for traction products. And one of them is right on the bottom of your screen right there with fast Absolutely. track products. And they do a, they do a great job with, with the product that they sell. We're not competing with those. These are very specific snow drag racing products. Um, they're not designed for trail riding. These are made out of uh, billet 7075 aluminum. Um, they're extremely light uh, snow drag chisels for a specific market because I deal with a lot of racers. Um, that one on the right side is the is a chisel we call the Snowmax. Um, it's three quarters of an inch wide, um, so it's almost like an aluminum digger paddle on there, and it's a game changer for snow drag racing traction. So we sell three different versions of it right now. Um, from left to right, we call that one the Raven, the Scorpion, and the Snowmax. And the, they all have a little bit different applications. But uh, um, but yeah, when it comes to snow racing traction in a straight line, um, you know, they're not going to help you cornering and they're not going to help you slow down. But, uh, you know, acceleration racing that comes that came from two words jammed together maximum and acceleration and yeah. uh, <laughs> that's what we're about and uh, th those are extremely extremely popular products for us um and just in the last month i've shipped out thousands of those that's yeah. awesome the uh, when you're studying a track like a, like a 137 let's say uh drag sled how many of these would you put on it well, you know, that's a real conversation that I like to have with people because it's not the same as studying uh, with traditional trail type studs. Like if you take like a, like a fast track, like a carboid point or something like that, um, it's a pretty narrow tip on there. So you're, you're shooting for a whole bunch of studs. So you can have a lot of scratch lines in there. Um, yeah. With these, they're extremely wide. The narrowest one is a half an inch wide. Uh, on, on a, that's the narrowest one. So, so you actually use fewer of them than you do um, of a traditional type of stud, just because they're so much wider. Like on that center one, that's the, called the Scorpion. It's five eighths of an inch wide. You can only get about nine lines between the windows on a track because there just isn't that much real estate in there to have any more scratch lines. So between the windows, you're going to use probably three per bar, something like that. And then every second or third segment outside the windows is what I normally re recommend. Yeah. And what are the, what bolts on the back of them? Yeah. A flat, like a flat Allen thing. That's a great question. So, um, a lot of guys that are putting on these on are racers that have been racing for years and they've got a lot of, old studs kicking around the garage. So if you've got a five sixteenths pushed through stud, you know, which is the, the meat of the market, a traditional stud, you can take and just whack that off and use that as your base stud to go through. Or if you really want to up your game 
if you want the maximum or I guess the minimum in terms of weight, because these are extremely light. They're made out of aluminum. They weigh yeah. next to nothing. Uh, we also sell titanium base studs to go up in the bottom. Um, so it's like a push through stud, except for it's just a base stud where it's got the, the head on the bottom and the stud that comes up into it. And the combination of that aluminum chisel and the titanium base stud is extremely light. So it once again helps that helps you build speed faster in that track. So it, it it's not the least expensive product you can put on your sled on the market. It's, uh, it, it, it gets up there, but uh, guys using these have got tens of thousands of dollars into their drag race machines. So it's, uh, uh, you know, I, and I can offer advice too of, to different people, you know, they'll be asking because you can mix and match them a little bit with uh, more traditional studs, depending on, you know, kind of the racing conditions that you're going to be in. And uh, uh, I had one fellow, it was really, it was, it was a good call. I was talking to him on the phone and he said, and I said, well, we could do this. We could do that. I could save you a little money. And, you know, he went with like this type of thing and I gave him some options and he just cut me off middle of the sentence. He said, yeah, but I want to win. Yeah. <laughs> oh, then it then it's these ones. <laughs> I said, okay, that's easy. Your order's going out tomorrow. You know. <laughs> how how so? You're when you're drag racing, you're not running a deep paddle track. So are these like one inch tall, or or how tall would these be? We offer them. The most common ones we sell are a total height of an inch and three quarters up to about two inch, which works really good on a one inch to like an inch and a quarter type track um the we do sell them as tall as two and a quarter inches if somebody's got like an inch and a half track um you know they tend to run in a lot of loose snow type conditions um but the drag racing tends to be a little bit more prep track so inch and a quarter one inch to inch and a quarter somewhere in there is the vast majority of the guys that are snow dragging and uh, running these. So we offer them from a fairly short length up to as high as two and a quarter. Now, when you cut a two and a quarter overall aluminum chisel like that, you got to be pretty careful with uh, your clearance going out yeah. and, and stuff. So, you know, like when some, if somebody places an order like that, I usually like to have a conversation with them on, you know, making sure they know what they're getting into because that's, some big teeth whipping around there um but there's a, there, perfect there's a good question coming up right there yeah, yeah it all it all depends on how high you're going um over and above the lug of your track so just like any other stud um you're going to want to have some tunnel protection in there and uh um how high it is depends on how long a stud you're going with so yeah so do you have a special type of tunnel protector with those studs is what ron kessler asked you know, Most, my plastic tunnel protectors, these would chew right through it. Um, well, you wouldn't want to have them in where, like, over top. Say if you have, if you have the tunnel protector type where it's down the center, you wouldn't want to yeah. have that plastic type. But if it's above the windows, like if your tunnel protectors are above the windows, and you've got a style of track that still has some paddle over the there's windows. No, yeah, there's no studs there anyway, right? Yeah, then then that's yeah. your best setup, right? But there are other challenges that come up. So, like, so for example, a couple of my race sleds are mountain sleds. And uh, the, uh, nobody in the world builds a tunnel protector for a mountain sled because <laughs> why would you want a tunnel protector on a mountain sled, right? I mean, what are yeah. you doing on a mountain sled? Well, it's because there's goofballs outlier like me that, uh, you know, the race 
159-inch tracks on the on a mountain sled. So you know, I've had to do some custom stuff on that. But uh, yeah. Well, I bought a Polaris one time, a 500, and you know what it had for tunnel protectors? Yeah. A couple classic hockey sticks screwed up there. <laughs> yeah, sure would PMP. So you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, your a couple co-hosts. You know your uh, your um, or they might have been Sherwood actually, but you know you know you're in luck when you can do that. Greg Kelly says, "What's the what's the uh, number of ply in your track?" That is an uh, excellent question. That's a that's a very well educated question. These are designed for two ply tracks. Uh, a lot of the new tracks out there are one ply, but they're also these are designed as a racing product, and most and if. A lot of sanctioning bodies for races will specify specify an R-rated track, and all the R-rated tracks for racing are two-ply tracks. So we recommend these in two-ply tracks. There, there's if you really want to go with a one-ply, there's there's some ways around that. So, um, but it's if you're running 500 horse through a track and you've got chisels in it, I just recommend a two-ply track. Yeah, absolutely. All Terrain TV says Gary knows the part numbers for the hockey sticks. If anyone wants to know, yeah, fifty thirties probably work good. Yeah, that's now, a better shot. Now, of were them. you hammering on the on the slot screwdrivers to bend the tips like this, or <laughs> hand done every single one of them? Though that's the way they come out of the machining. Uh, that's beautiful. So uh, the one in the middle, that's actually on a standard backer. So uh, we make the 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 chisel part down to where you can see the the nut style is on it but the the you can use a uh, any kind of standard 5 16 backer on there so that, that makes that style uh the least expensive of the three the other two uh you don't need a separate backer because they've got the base built into them so the support plate is built in um the the one on the left that's a raven it has the most penetration and actually there's an angle machined into that as well if you notice it's actually leaning forward just a little bit on that yeah. one. um yeah. when that penetrates and it really hooks your track is going to flex just a little bit under the power under the drag of that stud so that angle is machined in there so that when it flexes the track flexes it stays flat in in the uh, uh in your thrusting surface rather than uh, bending back that's cool and yeah. you know what? I like. I was wondering about that middle one because the outer ones have, it, like, it's really designed for looks. I mean, if you've seen those on a track, you'd be yeah. like, "Wow, that's that's sexy." And yeah. the middle one just is like an afterthought. But I can see, I can see the the stock backer on there now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So that's just the, that's a, a photo. I forgot I sent that to you, but that's the the photo of the wheel that's on all those new machines that we're gonna offer the replacement for wow how ugly no they don't have rubber on those right that's just a plastic yeah that was just straight plastic so uh and it's not even real thick plastic so there's been quite a few reported failures on it uh and that's why we came up with the idea of hey let's make a nicer wheel an upgrade to the look of it i mean if you're spending 30 grand on a sled let's make it look like you spent 30 grand on a sled and yeah. uh and, and give you some performance improvement as well so yeah there you go do you have to index all those studs the same direction? Yeah. I mean, you want to have them straight in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, I, this, this wheel is just what's wrong with the industry. 
<laughs> you know, like it, it seriously, like it seems like since COVID, the manufacturers have gotten cheaper with some things, right? And yeah, they, they do such a good job in some areas, um, and in some areas, they just you know there's there's room for improvement for sure. And yeah. you know, w when I looked at it, I thought, well, here's room for some improvement right here, and what can we do about it? So, yeah, very good. You know, um, the. Uh, yeah, and no bullshit was saying earlier that, that it, he almost feels like a guinea pig because the the manufacturers keep changing things and they won't stick to one thing, you know, that's working. It, it's almost like they don't know themselves and they're just kind of throwing mud at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? Yeah, you know, and you know, we lived through this wheel for a few years with the Procross chassis, um, and then they released the new... And I thought, okay, you know, we have some options. There's, there's options I have that can replace that on the Pro Cross, but I didn't really go any further with it under that direct replacement, same bearing size, same clip type of easy swap scenario. But then when I saw them come out with the catalyst and I went digging in and it's the exact same wheel on a new catalyst, I thought, okay, this is going to run for a few years now. So it's, you know, let's, let's see what we can find as, a, as an upgrade. So, um, there was nothing out there, so we're building it. Yeah, that's great. Oh man, it, oh, does it ever make the sled look better too? Yeah, pretty crazy. Oh, you should yeah, be showing was... this as your trade secret. Someone's gonna shoot this with an <laughs> iPhone and start three D printing these. Yeah, I think I'll be back. I'll be back in five minutes with the CAD file. That hold on. Leave this up a little bit longer. <laughs> I, I didn't know if we were gonna have an actual picture to send you because um, the production is just starting on it. But yeah, that's that. That was a an actual phone shot of the computer screen as it was in the design stage. Yeah. Very cool. Good work. They very really nice design too. The style is awesome. Yeah. Right. You should make yeah. them like look like Craig or SSs or something like that. <laughs> For guys like all terrain TV, he'd, he'd buy a set in a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. Put a dish <laughs> on. Them. That'd be cool. Big offset. Yeah. Get some spinners on there. Yeah. Some <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, we saw some pictures of my wife racing earlier, but that's actually uh, um, my old body on that one. Um, that's just one of our demonstration sleds. Um, I call that one the farm sled. Uh, it's. I don't know if you've ever watched any uh, Street Outlaws on the Discovery Channel. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of street racing at all in the automotive world, there's a relatively famous truck called the farm truck. Um, it's orange. It's it's not necessarily the newest thing out there, but before it got a reputation uh, and people kind of realized who it was, um, the truck looks like a stock truck. Yeah. Matter of fact, an old beat up stock farm it truck. It does, yeah. And uh, when we did the testing on this one on the farm, you know, the goal was for this project as a halo sled to take a sled that looks stock. Um, and with the exception of the billet wheels that I've got on the back of it, I mean, it's stock. It's stock seats, stock headlights, stock. I got the luggage rack on it, stock <laughs> skis, stock yeah. fuel tank, stock handlebars. It's got the mountain grab bar on it still from yeah. the King um, It looks stock, but how much power and how fast could we make a stock sled you know and make it rideable so you know with some changes if you really wanted to trail ride it you could 
um, if you want to go in the mountains, take an afternoon, swap the track, take it out in the mountains. Um, this is how we finished up. It's 500 horsepower. Um, it's, it's probably a little bit north of there. The dyno package came out at, you know, at 36 pounds of boost. It was making like 478 in there. Um, going down the track with a Ram air intake system, we're seeing just over 40 pounds of boost. So, um, yeah, our, 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 a conservative estimate is that we're pretty certain it's making at least 500 horse. So I'm just calling it 500 horse. And, uh, yeah, sled's hooking up. Yeah, that's got a set of those uh, scorpion chisels in it that we were just talking about. So That's wild. How do you Sled Tube says, how do you set up the suspension for drag race? And that looks like crazy transfer yeah and actually right there that's a bad setup that i've got there it's transferring too hard um, <laughs> you you don't really have a lot of contact patch when there's only what like uh yeah. you got there like <laughs> 30 yeah, like, uh 30 inches of the full 162 <laughs> i hope you yeah these pictures good. these pictures look impressive but they're just like wheel stand pictures for cars and drag racing they look cool but they're not the fastest way down the track um, I, sure you, I sure hope you got those Sherwood 5030s. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, one of the products that we sell is there's a um, where the adjuster bolts go through for the back axle on a Procross chassis. There's a aluminum piece that the bolts feed through to tension the back axle. And uh, I'd heard reports from guys that those are prone to breaking. Didn't really pay too much attention to it until we snapped a couple ourselves with the power that we were putting through. So now we sell billet uh, replacements for that as well in the back axle. But in this particular one, uh, to answer the uh, viewer's question, um, it <laughs> that's a Hellcat, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, um, it, it, the, the name on that sled, I mean, it was originally a King Cat model, so I call it the King Cat, but... Uh, um, you could call it the king of the hell cat. <laughs> the uh, trademark. Um, you can pay me every time someone la likes it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that one there, um, it's not actually set up that good. Um, it, it all depends on the weight of your sled, how much power you're making, and what kind of traction you have. Um, the more traction you have, the the less amount of transfer you want to have so for example i've got a gob of traction in there one of my partners Dwayne, who was in an earlier picture he was bugging me all year he says you got too much traction i said that's impossible you can't have too much traction i just got to have a better setup so i've corrected it since this photo was taken but on this one the front of that suspension needs to be sucked up a lot more to keep that nose planted uh down lower to the track and then we won't get quite as much ski lift as that. But uh, yeah, doing that at over 100 mile an hour is is not necessarily the way to go. Yeah, Greg Kelly asked about parachutes. Do you need them for the ice races? Um, there are classes. So for example, um, the Snow Outlaws guys, uh, the race Snow Outlaws and their big circuit in the states. In their top class, they're open. They're uh, open outlaw open class. Now they require parachutes. And they actually changed it for this year where not only do you have to have it on there, but you got to pull it at the end of every run because you don't know what's going to happen. So they're expecting you to use them. And uh, uh, there are some competitors at Heydays this year too. 
uh, and outlaw that that ran shoots on the back of their sled. So it would I just think be cool. Just cool to pull them anyway, no matter what. Well, I'll it pull looks fifty when I'm doing a hundred. Yeah, an hour, I'll, I'll drag. I, I won't be the one helping you repack it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and then that's one of the reasons. Uh, you know, we used to race. You know, traditionally, if you go back on snow, it was eighth mile, six hundred sixty feet. And then a number of years ago, we actually brought that back to 500 feet. And that's what you tend to see on grass and snow now as the most common. And the biggest reason for that is that the speeds were just getting too out of hand. You know, you're seeing guys top 150 mile an hour now in 500 feet. So, I mean, this is a full size heavy sled. I mean, this is a sled I was on. They were calling me half ton racing. So at 900 pounds, I'm not going to get going that fast. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be in the 125 range probably on that sled. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's fun because it, it's a lot of people, they like the custom look to a sled. Um, I like the customizing to be under the skin and all inside. Um, cause if they don't know me, it's really fun when they see an old guy pull up on a heavy four stroke sled and they think they've pretty much got this one wrapped up until I drop the 500 horsepower hammer on them. And then, uh, <laughs> then the conversation starts. So, yeah. That's all custom rails on that. Or is that stock rails? Stock suspension rails. That wow. is stock suspension. Um, I put a little uh, transfer block in the rear uh, because it's an uncoupled skid from the factory. So it's got uh, a rear coupler adjustment block added to it. But that is stock because mountain sleds, they're built very, very light. So if you can do the work uh, and the setup and use the original mountain equipment, um, you're halfway there already. So, yeah, Greg Kelly wants, and he says it, it'd be hard to get the wife to ride double on that cat. <laughs> the point yeah. ski, the point ski 800R thinks he could get her on there. Yeah, my, my wife's been known to take the SRX and go get coffee with it at a race, but uh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> There we That's go. The There's not much suspension to, to collapse in that thing, right? Yeah. So this one's just, this picture just shows it a little bit different, but that's set up uh, better to go and race trim and got the tunnel enclosure in the back for safety there. So Yeah, nice. Does it Front throw studs if you, at 500 horsepower, you've got that tunnel enclosure. Is, is that to keep those chisels from flying out and like, no, a tunnel enclosure, um, because you've got the snow flap there, and it depends on your racing organization, some sanctioning bodies will just specify a secured snow flap on the back. And you see it on the snow cross sleds from the factory. Drew, you were talking about you saw one not too long ago where the guy had the big flap on the back. Yep. It's part of a racing thing. Um, some uh, sanctioning bodies uh, where you're running chisels, what they'll specify is that you line the inside the snow flap with aluminum or metal of some sort so that if it does throw a chisel it doesn't come firing back right through that snow flap um, so the sanctioning body i was in here that's what that had is that uh, you can't see it once again that's that stock look sort of thing but the inside of that snow flap is uh, lined with uh, fairly thick aluminum and then it's held with uh, aircraft cable back to the uh, back to the chassis for safety but oh, yeah, you can of, see it. Yeah, you can kind of see it hiding up under there. That's cool. Yeah. And I assume yeah. that you have a smaller fuel tank on that too. That's stock tank on that sled. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't know if you had any trickery going on there with it. That's pretty yeah. cool. 
No, it stops that. I can put 10 gallons in it and go trail riding. Yeah, that's awesome. That's wicked. But uh, the old mock in the background, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a pro stock 1000 I was racing against there. Uh, it didn't work out too well for him. But no. uh, <laughs> does, does your, cat, like does, your cat, does it come on or is it always on? Like, or do you have a little bit of a, of a, you know, that guy might think he has you and then all of a sudden you're gone? Well, it's pretty heavy. So out of the hole, you know, a, a good two stroke racer, they're going to get me. Usually they'll get me out of the hole because they're lighter. You know, they've got yeah. the same amount of traction. They're making good power, but a good two stroke drag sled, they're usually going to get me. But by about 60 feet, I start reeling them in. And then, you know, if it's a pro stock 800 or 1000 with this sled, after half track, it's see, it wouldn't want to be you. So <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, a two step on that as well, or you kind yeah. of, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I assume um, that people realize, like, oh crap, as soon as you get up on the boost and they hear yeah. that thing snapping, popping at the line. That's yeah, gotta be different, flames or there's what? different ways of doing it too. Like if if, if you're somewhere where it's pretty loose, uh, the track is 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 pretty loose, then uh, uh, you don't want to get up on the boost too much because you hit it too hard out of the hole, and uh, um, that. Uh, it, it it doesn't it leads to too much track spin so so depending on the situation um you manage your launch accordingly yeah um q116 actually no um uh, i i sell vp fuel i'm a distributor for vp fuel and uh, we have used 16. um in that particular set we use a um a variation called import and it's uh it's a little bit higher octane than 16, and it's oxygenated as well, whereas uh, 116 isn't. So that helps out with power a little bit. So pretty sweet. You actually, someone just uh, commented that I was about to ask. Do you do any work with uh, E85 at all? No, uh, I haven't been. I, I think you're going to see more of that in the future. Um, I, because I worked in tech inspection uh, with uh, with some race organizations. I've done a lot of fuel testing over the years, and it used to be real easy to see if somebody was running oxygenated fuel. We had quick testing we could do right at the track. We could dip the fuel in the tank, and with the, the equipment we used, I could tell you if it was oxygenated fuel in a class that wasn't supposed to have oxygenated fuel. But in the last 24 to 48 months, all the pump fuel manufacturers, if you go buy something from... Petro Canada or Shell, they all have some ethanol in it. And ethanol carries a lot of oxygen. So it's getting harder and harder to tell uh, if somebody's running an oxygenated race fuel or if they're just running pump gas. For example, if you look at the, the 94 octane that you get from a Petro Canada station, their ultra premium, ultra 94, or whatever they call it, I've run the tests on that. And it actually tests higher than some of the oxygenated race fuels. So that's it's kind of gone out the window a little bit as far as the fuel testing goes. And I think as more and more performance comes in, if you look at that new do, you know, they got the ice tank, you know, yeah. helping out. I think as you see more technology changes coming like that, I think you're going to see some high performance guys get into that E85. We're not there yet, but that's a good prediction for that to be coming in the future. Yeah. I was just curious. Cause that's a big thing inside and side by side racing. And that that's 
grown huge over the past few years is throwing E85 at it to get the extra power gains, right? Same thing in yeah, car it, cer it certainly happened in the car world as well. So uh, I think that that's going to happen um, in sleds. It's just a matter of time. It's also just tough because it's not really, at least in Ontario here, it's not easy to get. You have to order it to actually get it. Like, I'm like, I don't know how it is where you, um, much different where you are. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's the same way. So, yeah. yeah. High compression. That's a good question. Um, actually, no, that is a stock compression engine. Um, we didn't bump up the compression on that one because we're throwing so much boost at it. Um, like at 40 pounds of boost, um, that's a lot of boost. Um, you know, like a, a two stroke booster, like you, I think it's what, six, eight pounds on the Polaris and the Dew, uh, yeah, it's, not a whole, it's not a whole lot. It's somewhere in there. Um, a stock side, Sidewinder or Thundercat, uh, makes about 10 pounds of boost. Um, uh, we're pushing over 40 into this one. So we've done some upgrades, some internal upgrades to the engine, uh, to help keep it together, but it's, uh, stock compression, um, stock cams, um, basically a beefed up stock engine for longevity with a whole bunch of boost. Yeah. Yeah. We got some smart, smart cookies in the audience here. And I mean, this, this question here, uh, Jarrett White, I've heard Shell 91 tests better than the 94 other places. Have you noticed that? It depends on what you mean by test better. Um, and as far as running octane in a sled, you, you shouldn't run anymore. You could, you might actually get, if you've got say a new turbo do, uh, cause there's a lot of talk about that recently. Um, if it's specified to run on 91 octane, don't put 94 in it. Um, octane is just a measure of its, um, knock resistance when it comes to fuel. I've written a few articles on, on fuel and fuel testing. And, and the um, higher octane fuel actually burns slower. That's what increases its knock resistance and allows it to be used in high compression engines because your flame in high compression engine, your flame front and when you're under high boost, everything burns faster. It's like um, stuff happens way faster in an engine when it's all crowded together. So that's why you run high octane fuel. Just think about it at a party. When you got a whole bunch of people in there, and the music's going and the beers are flowing, stuff starts to happen. If you've got a great big room and there's six people in there, it doesn't matter, kind of nothing happens. It doesn't matter what you run. So you run that higher octane for the big party that's going on in that engine. But if the engine's not designed for it, if it's not designed for fuel to burn that slow, you'll actually go slower running higher octane if your engine isn't designed for it because that fuel's gonna burn a little bit slower. So if you've got an engine that's designed to run on 89 or 91, don't put 94 in it. Don't put race gas in it. I'd love to sell you some race fuel because it's a couple hundred bucks a pail. But I don't want you to go slower. Um, <laughs> you know, burn the fuel that your engine builder is designed for or that your manufacturer specifies, and you'll go faster. Yeah. SledTube wants to know where your articles on fuel are. Do you, do you have them on the Internet? Um, I would have to go back. I posted them on a couple of race sanctioning sites on fuel and fuel testing. Um, I'll find those and I'll send you a link so that you can uh, uh, go back and send that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Jared says huge knock means less timing equals more power, question mark. 
it, it, it's a trade-off. Um, the uh, if you're dealing, if you've got knock, it's it's going to not or and or pre-ignition, which aren't necessarily the same thing. They kill power. So in theory, you could if you can if you eliminate the knock and turn back the timing, you can create more power because you're not going into knock. As a rule, more timing if your engine is designed for it. As a this is the same for two strokes and four strokes, but as a rule, you'll make a little bit better um, power as you add timing until you get to the point where it's no good. So, for example, some motors don't like it. Some motors had a lot of high high uh, squish velocities in their engine, and you actually you lose a little power by putting too much timing in it, even though it's not knocking yet. Uh, some of the old Polaris uh, triples, uh, the XCR engine, for example, they written, uh, uh, with, when they first came out with the power valves, they didn't like any extra timing in them. You could actually slow them down by putting too much timing in them. So it, it depends a little bit on the engine and the situation in the fuel. And that's why I said every situation is just a little bit different. You have to kind of analyze it on its own. Yeah, right on. The farm sled, there's some specs on it. Yeah. <laughs> that, once again, that was one of the placards. When we were at the snow show, we, we put the sled on display. Um, it, it was built for a showpiece to kind of showcase, you know, some of our product offerings and what we do. And, uh, you know, so so what is stock? You know, it goes in full body, you know, the tunnel, the bulkhead, full cooling, the seat, the fuel tank, the handlebars, uh, instrumentation, skis. That's all the stock stuff. But uh, with reverse, that's pretty way. cool. That's, that's awesome. That's a good stat. <laughs> there's a there's a funny story about that. Um, I was at a race last year, and it was in a uh, it was an outlaw semifinal, and I was running three four sleds. So I'm running back and forth between heats, trying to get sleds going, and running back and forth. And I made a real rookie mistake. I I I pulled up, and I had the sled going, and I pulled up to the starting line, and people are looking at me funny. And I'm like, what? I'm not that late. You know, I came running to get here sort of thing. And they look at me and there's a guy sitting behind me. Well, I pull up into the wrong lane. I had written it down wrong on my tape. So I was in somebody else's lane. So the starter comes back. He says, no, you made a you made a mistake. You're in the wrong lane. Well, so what I did, I, I kind of got cocky and I threw it in reverse and backed it off the line um, and pulled around and went into my other lane. And you don't see an outlaw sled do that. And then I went out and won the heat. So it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of interesting the way it all panned out, but uh, but but yeah, so yeah, you can still push the button. The beeper goes off, it backs up. Oh so, my gosh, yeah. that's got to be a sight. That must have been a sight for those people in Outlaw. It's like, is this guy in the right spot? Like, is he is he supposed to be here? <laughs> well, yeah, I shouldn't have made the, it. Was my fault. I shouldn't have made the mistake to start with because first of all, I was in the wrong lane, so I didn't look like a very experienced guy. But I guess maybe that led to the whole. Uh, deception type of thing because uh, it kind of did i bet the reverse was like is this guy even like what is this thing coming up to the line probably dropped from mouths yeah. when it launched right yeah. and then i assume you say clutches you got uh uh primary and secondary or just primary done on it um now i've switched to the secondary was before um the stock um boss team secondary that's on that won't hold that much power we tried it um, just to see if it would. And we've had good results with it up to about 300 horse. Um, but at the 500 horse level, it, it can't put enough squeeze on the belt. And uh, we smoked the belt badly in the secondary. Um, 
at that level. So uh, we switched to STM on it. Yeah. And is it a, a tapped clutch on the primary? Uh, we started out with a tap um, on the primary and, and ran it that way. We were having, we came to the end of the adjustability on it. Um, now I've talked to uh, uh, actually the manufacturer for tap is not too far west of us here in the mountains in BC uh, nice. is, is where he's located. And so I talked to him and we've come up with some, some ideas. He's got some new things that aren't quite on his uh, website yet. Uh, so we're throwing some more weight at it and I'm hoping for some more snow to do some testing. But uh, until we got, until we do that, I've got an STM uh, eight arm primary on it. So it's got two sets of four arms on it that are all individually adjustable that can throw more weight at it from a get go. And I've done a little bit of early testing on it. And uh, it's very good because with the eight arms, I can hit it way harder off the line than I could with a traditional style clutch. So pretty cool. And this that's is your a, Sidewinder MTX. Yeah, so that's the other sled that we had on display. Uh, more of an improved style. It's it's not that far off of some of the, the kits that we sell. We've had really good results with it racing. Matter of fact, two days ago, I won uh, uh, the Turbo Rubber class with that sled at a race out in Manitoba. Um, it's, um, you know, it's making... I'm a race guy. I can't say exactly how much horsepower it makes, but <laughs> it, it's somewhere in the high threes. Um, and uh, uh, we use it as some things that, that, that demonstrate a lot of the things that, that we sell performance upgrades from that. So, yeah. Right on. That's it there. Led there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you, and just eye grips in that. I saw that in the mod list. So just a, a backcountry, probably, what's that, a two inch paddle with eye grips on it? It's a one and three quarter um, track oh, on okay. that. Now that 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 backcountry track at an inch and three quarter, that's not a two ply track. <laughs> yeah, you can see the big wheel. Yeah, you can't get out of the way. Yeah, it's, it's a, there. You it's go. a track. You can see it right, right. Yeah, it's right got a ten. There. It's got a set of ten inch wheels on it. Um, nice. Yeah, the um, being a single ply track with a really deep lug. Um, it's there's not a lot of good solutions to stud a track like that so we thought we'd try it and uh we went the eye grips in that and screwed them in and uh for what it is um had some pretty good success with it in a more slipperier situation yeah. people people have amazing things to say about eye grip studs and all like in the application of trail riding so yeah. i believe it that that thing probably hooks up pretty good i know yeah, it's, it's very level like it's not you don't have the it going up up over a top idler it's just off the rear straight into the drive yeah just with that suspension set up and then those big idlers on the back um makes it up like that yeah yeah cool wicked there's, there's a better there. shot oh, okay yeah there. there we go yeah there's there's the same sled with that wheel i wrench set. my back for nothing <laughs> well, i had fun watching you though so i should have i should have known right <laughs> yeah, that's there you can see how level that track is going into the tunnel yeah it's pretty wild it's almost a sleeper sled too well it is yeah you know? kind of um it, I, i've i've done very well with that sled over the last two three years so so you like to use a mountain sleds for drag is it just because of the longer track longer track from the factory so you can use a stock suspension on it if you set it up and in that particular in that pro cross chassis after the 217 218 model year they had a longer chain case in them 
and the drive shaft is actually dropped down about an inch. Um, yeah, yeah, he's right. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the the drive shaft is uh, actually dropped down about an inch and an eighth compared to the trail and crossover sleds. They did that on the mountain sleds because it lessens your approach angle in the snow so that you have better deep snow ability. But what it is, is that when you drop that front drive shaft lower to the ground, it's also more efficient. For years and years and years, pro stock racers uh, would put in a drop and roll chain case kit to try and get that drive shaft closer to the snow. Matter of fact, there's rules in the rule book now about how far you can move the drive shafts. And the amount that these drive shafts are dropped are actually more than the rule allows for if you were to move a drive shaft in the case. But because it's stock, it's allowed. Exactly. So nice. there, there's a reason why those sleds are used uh, in racing. Uh, for example, I've got this sled um, and I've also got an SRX, a shorter tra 137 track sled um, that I've at different times I've had set up with the exact same setup, same power level, same everything. The mountain sled was faster. Noticeable. Yeah, wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And, and All Train TV noticed it. He was wondering if it was dropped or if that whole sled's lowered, if the top idlers were dropped. And it looks like you can see it. You can't really see it in this picture because nope. it's really dark on my screen. Yeah, stock, the, you can the see the chain pilot. case is right. The chain case, I can point to the tip of it. It's right yeah. there. That's where yeah. the chain case is dropped to. And that's a stock location for that chain stock. case. I've got a little air let out of the front shocks to drop it down. But that is stock location on that sled so that is just wild yeah. and you know what that's a lot of track to the snow like your footprint is amazing on that right yeah traction wise yeah for sure and you have to I, throw I, this I, one in there to, to sweeten the pot up right i talked about the wife so much i had to put a picture of her on where she wasn't in her in her snowsuit and everything so it, uh, i have to give a lot of credit for her for for all the support and everything because you know, in the wintertime, I'm busy enough all the time. But then when race season starts and you're gone every weekend, it, you can't do it by yourself. But so she helps out a lot. So, so I, when you, I had to give her a little shout out. Into, you two must walk into a race event and they go, um, the uh, the pickleball courts like the other side of town. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then she schools them. She actually has mentioned she wants to take up pickleball. So. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool. There she oh, is. There. Picture. She dangles. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So that's kind of a bit of history and who we are and what we do and and uh, a little bit of what some of the race sleds and and some of the products. So yeah, for sure. I got one more picture I got to show from a fan. Now I just got to cue it up here. Just bear with me. Yeah, you got it. There we go. This is it here. Press the yeah, go full screen. Yeah, you got it. There we go. I don't want to zoom in here. This thing's a beast. That thing's killer. Okay. Looking. This guy says, I'm going to not read these in order, but he says, uh, he says he, he's a great guy. I bought parts from him, and he's a legend in our end of the country. Then he sends this picture, which I'll spool up here. <laughs> and he says 
He says, uh, can't wait for Mike to whoop me racing this year, watching the podcast from Danton, Indian Head, Saskatoon. Danton Soladucha. You know this yep. guy? Yeah, he's hosting a race here coming up in a couple of weeks. So um, our plan is to go out and, and meet him there. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he runs a lot of do stuff. Him and his family have run race uh, dues for a lot of years. And uh, great guy putting on a race uh, in Indian Head, Saskatchewan, in the Port Capel area just uh, east of Regina. So we hope to be out there and uh, supporting his race. But, uh, yeah, um, good, good customer and a good guy. So, yeah. You know, when they launched the Mach Z, I thought it looks like a grandpa sled. This one does not. This is yeah. the way it should I don't know if you could go any lower. You might get stuck on a gravel <laughs> in your driveway. Like, holy crap. Yeah, and that like hood that. stack is serious, too. Yeah, I don't know if you can really, yeah, get out of the way. That there's like, you could see the rivets on his on his uh, sled lift. And I think the rivets would hit the belly pan of that. Yeah, that is insane. Not, it's kind of funny because he's been gunning for me. And uh, that's the first time I've seen a picture. So uh, he's letting he's letting the cat out of the bag there a little bit. So oh, 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 the illusion, the illusion, the illusion is up. No, the uh, he, yeah, but you know what he says the, the the last email he says this is awesome. He's leaking all of his secrets. Laugh out. Yeah, he's, he's had a notepad. He's has a notepad out the whole time. You're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I get that question a lot. Um, I've had it in the last couple of years. I can't tell you how many times I get concerns from people, and they say. Yeah, but you're still racing, and I race against you. You're like, how can I trust that you're going to tell me the right information or make me as fast as I can go? And I said, well, if you think about it for a second and put yourself in my shoes, it's way better for me to have 100 happy customers than it is for me to beat at a race. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's just way better math as far as the business goes. So I'd rather have – Everybody that I've got know everything, know everything. They're happy. They've got the best stuff. If they beat up on me because they're a better tuner or they're a better racer or rider, so be it. But I'd rather see a hundred people be happy than just myself. So, yeah, it's like the hockey coach that goes out there and skates circles around all the little kids, you know, instead of teaching them how to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good question from all terrain TV. Also, when you lower a sled, it makes the track look longer. More traction, I imagine, but I also see people raise the front end of the track up off the ground. Do you know why that is? Yeah, they'll do that sometimes if they're having a situation with uh, um, too much transfer. If you take a little bit of that traction away from the front of the skid, that's one way that you can, uh, if you lift that up a little bit, that's one way you can help eliminate some of the transfer. You'll get more track speed out of it originally because you get a little bit more spin, but you won't get that over transfer situation like uh, like we saw in that one photo. Yeah. Jared actually says it right. He says, if someone beats you with your parts on their sled, still a win. Totally. No. Yeah. 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 And All Train TV said the exact same thing. They're all thinking yeah. the same wavelength. So let's talk about uh, uh, about the uh, contest here. What do we got in store? You know, and I forgot to bring it with me to show, but I've got them on the website. So I got a really nice billet fuel caps where they're custom CNC billet. They got nice colors on them. I've got black, blue, red, green, orange. Their choice of colors. Um, as long as it, it works on just about all the sleds, as long as you haven't got like a vented cap, like a snowcross sled still has the vent in the cap, 
but all the new most of the new modern sleds with fuel injection have uh, have the sealed cap on there um and they're on my website we're going to give away a billet fuel cap i think i sell them for like 75 bucks um wow, that's awesome yeah so 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 we need to come up with a trivia question Okay. okay. And then the first person that answers in the chat today probably should have with the correct program. answer. Yeah. Um, we'll 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 win the billet cap. You'll ship it to them. Yeah. Yep. Ready to go. You'll um, reach out for their address and stuff and get it to me and I'll ship it straight to them. Yep. Yep. So what do you have you thought of the question? I don't want this something they can Google. Oh, hang on. I thought of the question. <laughs> my 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 friendly office assistant. Just brought me up. Here's an example of one right here. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh, they're cool. So they are they universal fit or if someone has a Yamaha or a Skidoo or like well, you have to get a certain different cap. Pretty much most pretty much most sleds they fit. They're pretty common on the newer sleds. Um, fire cats that had the really big opening and a fuel tank on them. It doesn't fit on those ones. And uh, but uh, most of the modern sleds it'll fit. I've got a full list uh, uh, of the fitments. Even a lot of quads and stuff too uh, use the same style of cap, but uh, I've got a full list on there. But uh, I just thought of a trivia question. Okay, so clear okay. the books right now. Get ready on your keyboard. There's going to be a delay from YouTube to to our chat, but as soon as we see the question, I'm going to be looking on the YouTube chat that's on my yep. screen here. As soon as we see the question, the first person that answers it correctly. Uh, wins wins the prize. I get a lot of support from my racing wife, and it was actually her that just brought me this field cap to show. What's her name? Did you say it earlier? Yeah, he he definitely did. <laughs> oh my god, this is gonna be a tough one, Darlene. Nope. That was Dominator. He was hiding in the background. He's going for the cap. Man. Okay, so keep talking. And I, 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 can, I can drop a hint. I think it's on our website. Oh, honey? <laughs> That's I a good guess. I think you got it, honey. <laughs> I think it's on our website in the uh, in the About Us or our sled section or something like that. I Barbara? think I mentioned it on there. Barbara? Is it Barbara? <laughs> well, is it is it is it the money train? Oh no, that's the sled from last week. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's Gord's sled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Outdoor hobby guy says you guys still chat and you're worse than a bunch of hens. Too bad I missed it. Must have been a good show. Mary? Is it Mary? That's actually Gord's wife. Gord's wife's Mary. See, yeah. he's on the wrong thing. Yeah, that's very close. I think I think Greg Kelly's just listening off common names from <laughs> that. Darlene. Darlene times Darlene's two. Been, been guessed. I don't know. Maybe you should have married Darlene. She was your high school sweetheart, the one that got away. We didn't ask that question. Anyway, what else you got going on? And we'll we'll just let these answers trickle in. Let people rewind back. I just you know? checked. It is on the website. Right by your picture, Rachel, uh, in our team sleds. So uh, is it is it Rachel? Yeah, it's Rachel. So it's Freddie. Freddie Hebb won the Freddie gas Hebb. cap. So Freddie, Actually, if you can re reach out to fanphoto at mudbrats .com and let me know your address and everything, and I'll get it. Yeah, yeah. we have Freddie we have a, a lot of good guesses. Greg Kelly's <laughs> called Rosemary. 
Lapointski's doing Franny. <laughs> oh, that's just mean. Yeah. Boy, the gray hair, our Valley. gray hair is really throwing people off. Yeah. We didn't ask for your favorite stripper at Foot uh, Fanny's. We asked for what, what Mike's wife's name was. Yeah. <laughs> Lapointski said, I knew it wasn't Christina. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Well, thank you so much for that prize. That's very cool. Yeah. 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 Bring it to Saskatchewan in two weeks. <laughs> Looks like Freddie's going to be going to that race we were just talking about. So Yeah. Well, that, that can be a, a possibility. But still send me your contact details, Freddie. And, uh, at, uh, and we can probably fan photo. Fan photo at Mudbrats. What's yeah, on the screen on the there. there right now. And we can make that happen. But, yeah, that sounds good. Jared White's right. He said that's awesome. So. But to, how do people follow you? You've got Max Maxceleration Racing. What's your web URL? Yeah, it's maxcelerationracing.com. Uh, yep. And what and, about Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and? Yeah, not Twitter. Um, <laughs> that's a very toxic environment. But Facebook, we do quite a bit at uh, Maxceleration Racing. The links to the Facebook and the. Uh, uh and the uh uh youtube are on uh are on a web page maxcelerationracing.com it's not a very common name so if you google it, it comes up all over the place or if you google my name mike lavalley um it shows up on sled sites kind of in results and stuff all over the place so we're pretty easy to find um and if anybody has a question or anything don't be afraid to reach out do the absolute best we can to uh, answer questions and stuff. So, yeah, I think we already answered this, but have you ever got any vintage drags, ice drags or ice ovals? Yeah, I haven't done what they call the vintage. A lot of the vintage guys are going like the 81 and, and older sleds with the leaf springs. Um, I've raced a lot of the classics, you know, kind of, kind of newer than there, kind of like a 95 and older era. Um, but uh, I, I haven't got too much into the vintage and the ice ovals yet. Right on. Right on. Eagle River Baby Master says he must have woke up from a, from a nap. He was out riding. Oh, he, he was sending me Snapchats. He was out riding. He's the smart guy in all this. Lucky bugger. Yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. Well, I want to thank you for your time tonight, uh, Mike. And make sure everybody checks out his website, checks out those parts, and and uh, thank you for offering up the gas cap for the draw. That's amazing. Yeah, no worries. No worries. That's uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, uh, had a good time visiting with you guys. So Yeah, that's cool. That was a fun night. Uh, Lapointski said, fun night, great show. Have a great week, fellas. I agree. We're just going to roll the credits if you want to stay on until that's finished. And uh, we'll, get, we'll let you get back to bed. Uh, Bobby O says, thank you, Gary, Drew, and Mike. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a fun night. Uh, excellent show, Gary Drew, and terrific guest in Mike Lavely. Uh, take care, all. Greg said earlier he'd want to have a he wants to have a couple beers with you. He said, I think I've been fun. known to drink a few beers, so <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a, a body like this doesn't happen by accident. You got to work at it. So <laughs> yeah, you don't get one like that sitting around. You get to sit around and drink beer, right? All right, thanks, guys. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. We'll chat soon. Yeah.
It's a journey for 